Okay, let's start the show. It's June 12th, 2014. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. I'm Will Smith. Norman Chan, how are you doing today, Hello. sir? I'm doing all right. You you look you you look especially peppy this morning, afternoon. No, early. I, no, I had no sleep last night, so I don't know how that's happened. That's good. Uh, directly to your left is a. Let's, you've been here before, but yeah. this is your first. This is only a test appearance. I guess that's I think. true. I, ooh, is it? You've been on Octobercast where yeah. you cursed and then punched people. I didn't. I, I slapped you. Yes. It wasn't a punch. It was open, open handed. Let me tell you. With How much was on. that slap worth? <laughs> Veronica, uh, it was worth 10. We got, we crossed a $10,000 boundary. Yes, that was, that yeah. was the guideline for oh. slaps. It happened uh, pretty quickly. Veronica Belmont, thanks for coming by. Of course. You have been quite the world adventurer lately. Oh, goodness. I heard you were in Orlando, Florida last week. I was I was in China first. Oh, oh, China. That's, yeah, you're bearing the lead there. Uh, oh, I was yeah. uh, I was in China, and then I was in Orlando at um, IBM Innovate. Okay. And then I was in, uh, I just got back from Chicago last night. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what I want to hear about is China. Because okay. I saw a picture of you <laughs> holding a panda bear. I did! Right. I still get really excited when, just I when did, I think about it. I'm sorry. I saw that. I was like, there. wait, is it one of those? Like, is, was it a zoo or preserve? Or? Yeah, it was the um, the Chengdu uh, Panda Research Base. Okay. And that's where they breed the pandas um, for the zoos in China and also for to give out on loan uh, to other countries. That's really zoos. the research you need to do with pandas. How do you get them to reproduce? Very, with a lot of difficulty. They don't mm. like reproducing, it seems they like. They are very lazy when it comes they, to sex. They wow. like eating the bamboo? They have to like trick the pandas into mating. Really? There's even one where they will trick the male panda into falling over on top. Of Are you the kidding? No, like he might no, just actually fall in and copulate? Yeah. That's that amazing. That's kind of research. It is, they are really lazy. They just don't care. And, and they also like if they're not interested in yeah. another panda, they're like, no, forget it. So they're just doomed. Pretty actually, this is something I've kind of learned in my experience in, in going to the research base and, and, and learning more about the pandas. Pandas, I think, are only alive because they're cute at this point, because they don't. If you think about it, they don't look like their surroundings at all. Oh, yeah. They're black and white. They don't blend in they with their environment. They should be highly toxic to predators if, yeah. based on their coloring. They don't. Uh, they used to eat meat back in the day, like mm. way, way back in the day. But they only eat plants now. So they're pretty much like they have one food source that they really rely on. That's unusual for bears, too, right? Yeah. They're bears are like omnivorous. super omnivorous. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, they are technically omnivorous, um, but they just don't really deal with other things other than bamboo. <laughs> so if something happens to the bamboo, they're kind of screwed. Well, the good news is bamboo is essentially a weed, right? It just grows out of control. Yeah. So that's that. That is also yeah. true. Um, and then they just don't really, they're not that interested in doing it. Wow. Hmm. It's, I mean, there's a lot of environmentalists who dislike environmentalists who are only environmentalists for cute animals. Yeah. Right. Like the slime molds and the, and the banana slugs and all that stuff. Coral like, reef. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Coral reef's pretty cute. It's, it's cool. Yeah. yeah. Cause then you can go on vacation and see it and stuff. Yeah. Scuba diving, all that so, stuff. So yeah, the pandas, uh, they were pretty amazing. And the panda I hung out with was named Cece. Okay. Female. Is she designated um, the one that you get to hug? They trade off. So they don't want the pandas to get too tired. Uh, So she was a baby. I believe she was 10 months old. Wow. um, But she was big. 
big girl. Yeah. And the way they kind of get them into the mood to hang out with people is they literally pour honey all over their hand and they just sit there and go, now, now, now. On the bear's hand or on your hand? On the bear's hand. Oh, I was going to say that. Okay. They just sit there like a little, like little fat belly, just sitting there. And are you holding the panda like a baby? No, you're kind of like hanging out with them like a, like an awkward date. Yeah, it was it was like hover hands like almost. Hover hands. Hand panda. I went in for the belly rub, okay. which not everyone did, and I was really glad mm. that I did. So what like okay, on the fur spectrum, you have like soft kitten fur, mm-hmm. and then you have like maybe camels or some sort of like like where does the panda what does a panda feel like? Well, the problem was I could only touch him with a gloved hand. You could still tell so though. So it was it was rougher than I expected. Okay. So definitely not kitten, more like what is let me almost, Do you ever pet a grizzly bear or something or a black not, bear or something like that? I have no other bear experience. Oh. Uh so I can't really make that that connection. Um a little bit rougher than I'm trying to even think if there's a very coarse dog. Maybe like a horse or something like that? A horse is softer, more fine. Kind of, yeah. Can be. Velvety. Yeah. Um, this was a little fluffier and rough, kind of like a grass, like a a gentle grass. But not like a sheep or something like that. Not like a sheep. Okay. It's very hard to describe. Yeah, this is, this is, well, it's, it's hard in general. It is hard to describe sensations using like a coarse rug. Okay. So like, uh, um, hmm. Like an alley cat, maybe like, yeah, maybe a a cat that's seen better days. Yeah, Yeah. maybe, but it's thick. It's very thick. What, what, like in the dog spectrum, are we talking about like poodles? It's not, it's not coarse and curly like that. Yeah. This is a this is a much ch- more challenging thing than well, I anticipated well, when I asked the question. It's like a panda. Okay, <laughs> so what it comes down to, go meet you got to go feel a panda. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'll just I'll send a note to the There's national. There's a panda zoo. in San Diego. Really? In San Diego Zoo yeah. has a panda. It's a red panda in our zoo now too. Yeah. Oh, red pandas are. Yeah, better. I saw red pandas there. Uh, I saw They're red like pandas cute raccoons, little fire foxes. Yeah, we yeah. see we the we go ahead and tell you when you have a kid, the local zoo becomes a huge huge attraction. I bet. Thanks for introducing web browser tabs. <laughs> nice job, guys. Uh, you beat Internet Explorer and then we're destroyed by Google. Yeah, but I was on a the panda was only a small part of the tour. I mean, we were on a food tour of China. So we Ooh. went to like five different cities and just basically ate our way through really interesting. Did you eat local snake? delicacies? Uh, no, I ate frog ovaries. OK, frog ovaries. ovaries. I also ate frog. How does um, fro- how are frog ovaries served? They are. Uh, so first they're dehydrated. They're removed from the frog dehydrated. That's how they kind of get them. OK. And then they're uh, re uh, rehydrated. Um, They've got to be really small, right? Very gelatinous, very small, kind of gelatinous, um, tasteless mostly. They flavor them with things like like coconut milk. And why? Mm. Uh, It's like a tonic. So like for ladies, for example, it's supposed to make you more fertile. I'm not trying to get more fertile. It was just a part of the food tour internet. Thank you. You were just hitting it. Caveat that. You were transferring some mojo to the pandas. Yeah, all the dudes ate it too. So, okay. um, yes, I was trying to yeah. I snuck some in for the pandas. Right. Here you go. It's frog ovaries are <laughs> oh, good for you. It's like the Spanish fly of China. Yeah, exactly. Um, or Spanish frog is the case Spanish maybe. Frog. Waste not. Um, Everything's delicacy. Yeah, donkey, camel foot. Um, wow. Camel foot? Of, many types of intestine. Um, many lots types of, of innards and yeah, lots of tripe. Yeah. Um, what else? Tripe is surprisingly tasty if prepared well. Yeah. Like we had it in hot pot, Szechuan hot pot. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, which is super spicy and delicious and flavorful. And so mm. you can pretty much put anything. I, we, oh, I had chicken testicles for hot pot. Also. So tiny. Um, no, they're not that tiny actually. Really? No, they were kind of like this big. Well, I guess the eggs are big. So yeah. Yeah. What, 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 yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, and they tell you, they, they telegraph what you're eating. 
Yes, before. everything. Yeah, we were we were made aware. We were on a, a food tour with a, a chef named uh, Fuchsia Dunlop, who is one of the world's most uh, well well uh, most renowned uh, Chinese food experts. Mm. Um, so she's even though she's British, she has lived in China for a long time and she travels there extensively. Has written several uh, James Beard winning books about oh, cool. um, about Chinese cuisine. You want like sec- secret places, maybe not secret places, but you off the Local normal joints, yeah. tourist beaten track. Definitely, Just give definitely. me the EXO sauce and I'll so, be all right. <laughs> so was this like an, It was like it was like an episode of of um, of uh, um, what's his name? No book? reservations. No reservations book. Uh, yeah. yeah, the new what's the new one? Um, uh, Parts unknown. Parts, Parts unknown. unknown. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Norm. Yeah, I was. He was actually in China while we were there. Ooh. We didn't cross paths. Um, he's like my idol. So yeah, he's great. Have I you seen gotten the, creepy stalkery if I'd seen him? There's an Asian chef who does something very similar. I think he's friends with Bourdain. Um, David Chang, not David Chang, Eddie Huang. Oh, who does he does a show for Vice, fresh off the boat? Oh yeah, I've, I've heard of that. that. I haven't seen that yet. It is. It's like just like Bourdain show, except he is loudmouth and hilarious. They well, and they both they both are. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yes, different in different ways. Yeah. Well, the new the new Bourdain show is a little more like. It's it's kind of a little more almost deliberate than mm-hmm. than Nova's. I mean, it's essentially the same show. They're all the same shows. Yeah, yeah the layover, the show, um, yeah, Cook's tour. But it seems like similar. I think because he's he's kind of mellowed out as he's gotten older. Yeah, and it's it's a little more like Zen. Here's some stuff that you should probably know that we think is interesting, and then here's the other stuff, and I'm gonna eat some food with this guy, and then we're gonna go see something horrible or awesome, depending on which which country we're in. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting really hungry just even thinking about his shows and also that that tour. Um, great stuff. Though. So, anything, any other highlights? You went to the Great Wall. You yeah, we went to the Great Wall. We went to um, Tiananmen Square. We went to the Forbidden City. Were um, you there around the time of the anniversary? No, that's coming up. Or it was just past. Just oh, the June wait. June six. Oh, I thought it was, it was a, no before six. You're right. It was last, it was two weeks ago. It was on two weeks ago. I thought ago. it was the 25th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I'm thinking of. But um, is it true that when you're walking around there as an American tourist, no one, no one locals don't, don't know about Tiananmen Square? Oh, um, no, they know. Okay. Yeah. They at just least don't our, our guides. I mean, we weren't actively talking to a lot of people outside our group, but um, we were a uh, language barrier. Okay. Um, but we are, our, our tour guides were definitely, you know, pretty worldly. Um, I mean, maybe they're the exception, but they they seem to think that people were very frustrated with the state of, uh, well, with the state, really. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're frustrated with some of the ways that things are going, clearly, especially with censorship. And they're aware of how things are outside of the Great Firewall, and they, they want to have that. And it's pretty frustrating to not be able to do it. So when you were in the country, were you, like, as Americans, do you mm-hmm. get a bypass past the Great Firewall? Or? Oh, no. no. Um, well, I mean, we VPN'd. Um, okay. So we, we were able to access Twitter and uh, Facebook and things yeah. like that. Can you describe that experience yeah. behind the Great Firewall? Like, if you go into an internet cafe or plug in, mm-hmm. you know, what can you access and what can't you access? Well, so we we were very cautious, um, especially just for cybersecurity reasons. Um, so we brought burner laptops, burner phones. We didn't, nice. um, we changed all of our passwords before we left. We changed them all when we got back. Everything that you accessed, I assume. Even things I did not access. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, just to be on the safe did side. Did you bring your one password file with you? or did I you? brought a special travel vault of one oh. Password um, that was separate from my master list. Wow. Um, so we were we were very trying to do everything we could could to to be safe. Um, and I don't know any of my passwords anyway, so right, I didn't yeah. have it, to. It, it, my password is click up to the right. Right. Like, right. Again. Right. Uh, one password but what's the to fear? the lifesaver. 
Um, well, the fear is that, you know, I think especially for like my husband works for AOL, for example. So they were, you know, pretty concerned about him going to to a country where it's, you know, there's a lot of corporate espionage and, and things of that nature. So he wasn't supposed to log into any of his work accounts or anything like that. Oh, no. I know. Darn. I'm on vacation. Shucks. I can't answer work email. Sorry, guys. But we had both set up travel email addresses, too, mm-hmm. that, you know, so if you hit our, our emails, you would get a, a forwarded message saying this is where you can contact us for the next three weeks. Um, but we're not checking it all the time. Uh, but yeah, so when we would go into hotels and stuff and go on the the local Wi-Fi, um, the Google results were a little strange. I mean, most of it, it all comes back in Mandarin anyway, so you mm-hmm. have to translate it usually. Um, but we didn't, there wasn't really a lot of like us trying to access something and not being able to get to it because we were using Viper VPN to get into, um, to, to get outside and, and, you know, whether we were dialing in from Singapore or from Australia didn't really make too much of a difference. Um, so yeah, we didn't have a lot of firsthand experience with the, with the, the censorship type the stuff. Firewall stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, speaking while we're talking about security stuff, I I've been, as I over the last year or so, I've gotten increasingly paranoid about plugging in strange USB things. Like yeah. you go into the, you go into the not not into the computer, even into the laptop. When you go and you look at those, like the big the charger walls, right? Mm-hmm. You know, presented by so and so. Oh, you're nervous about those? Yeah, I don't. That, that makes I don't sense. like any of those. Like I feel like that's that is once you give somebody physical access to your stuff, then, mm-hmm. like a like a charge USB charger, like a USB wall charger for your yeah. I mean, for there's your phone. There's root kits for phones yeah, like that you have, plug a USB device in, right? And they gain that full access to the machine. When, yeah. Where was that? That was um, like last year. There was it came out came out as part of the Snowden stuff. Is that obviously the NSA and police departments have had that stuff for years? But once the police departments have something, I just assume everybody that wants it is going to have. Well, it. yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm still looking at every single ATM that I go up to to make sure it doesn't have like oh yeah like a the, card, the card like reader strip reader yeah gas gas pumps it. are the real killers for those. Are they? Yeah, oh, they yes. put they put them on the outside of that gas pump. So mm, yeah, okay. make sure you got to kind of eyeball it and look. Does this look right? But it, but yeah. the newer ones. You know, it's um. They have the Steven- cameras that look down too, so they can see you typing in your password oh, yeah. and stuff. Um. Well, what's uh Krebs? Uh, Krebs on security has a blog where he has had over the years collected pictures of all the skimmers that sit on top of ATMs and right. gas station pumps and stuff like that. And and the ones that are on gas station pumps now are indistinguishable unless you have prior knowledge of what it looked, what like. It, what it looked like before. Oh, damn. So, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I had never thought about those uh, charging stations as being something to worry about. And now I will forever. So, well, that in the U.S., <laughs> the, you know, the place the place that it started for me was at CES. We uh-huh. were in one of the one of the terrible restaurants there and they have wall jacks that have the USB ports in them. Nathan's and I thought, hot dog. Yeah, it's Nathan. Nathan's hot dog. And, Thanks, Nathan. Mm, um, and USB wall jacks. Hungry. And I just couldn't like I was like, wait, this is this is probably unwise. I mean, this is probably OK in, in the real world. But all it would take is somebody opening this up, putting a little tiny arm thing in there with a Wi-Fi connection that connects to the conference Wi-Fi, and yeah, yeah, they'll get every, they'll root your phone. So anyway, um, something scary to think about. Yeah, there's always scary stuff. Uh, should we talk about E3 a little bit? It's it's E3 week. I didn't go. Wow. But we can talk about it. No, no, it's fine. Well, <laughs> we talk about stuff all the time yeah. without any firsthand knowledge. It's it's perfect. Um, Welcome to the internet. <laughs> yeah, uh, this was a. Like as an overall picture, it seems like a really software heavy year, which is probably a good thing. New consoles are out. Games. Mm-hmm. People are making games. Get back games. to the games, yo. But it's like all you're out of control. From, Sorry, okay? I got excited. No, no, no it's yeah. fine. It's fine. Weird. Um, the, there's not that many games for this year. It turns out <laughs> it's all like Nintendo has a pretty good lineup. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah, I mean, good for Nintendo. Yeah. 
I mean, I always I always feel a little sad when we talk about Nintendo for some reason. And I think, you know, their software is their their specialty, really. I mean, the hardware stuff just hasn't been working out so well, well in recent years. Have you played Mario Kart? Do you have a Wii U? In my life. I no. do not have a Wii U anymore. Okay, so. You're waiting for the right games for Wii U. <laughs> yes. the, the critical mass lead the floor I of had games. a Wii U for a while. I thought the, the anymore, away. yeah, the anymore yeah. was the more, more telling part there. So. It looks like that's going to become a first party platform. Mm -hmm. Like it seems like all the other developers, even all the other publishers, even Ubisoft are kind of like, yeah, it's not. Uh, So many rabbits or rabbits, whatever they're called. Yeah. Rabbids. Rabbids. Yeah. Um, But, but like you look at what Nintendo is putting out on that platform and, and like it, it is, while it is a technically inferior platform to the, Xbox One or the PS4, like the games will still look from great. a graphics process. from a graphics yes, from, yes. right from a CPU a and GPU inferior. Yes, yes. Like it doesn't matter the way they're using it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's just, it's just interesting that you see that backing away, and while at the same time the other platforms still kind of aren't getting a ton of games. A lot of the stuff was delayed, like Batman, which was originally a 2014 title, was mm-hmm. pulled back, and it, it's it's just good. Less crowded fall. So, what did Nintendo announce? Nintendo announced. Um, well, Smash Brothers. I don't know if you know Smash Brothers coming out. Yeah, didn't didn't Conan play it on the, on I the think Conan so, show? Yeah. yeah, I think he did his. Um... I don't trust that. Why? You think it's crooked? You think oh, they pay for absolutely, it? They do. They pay for oh, it. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. absolutely. The yeah, they've got to. Yes, you're, you're, and as long as you watch it purely for entertainment and and not for awareness. Well, it's not really a review. Yeah. It's not a real review. No, yeah. He, he's yeah. He's bad at it's it. It's fun. Which is fun. It's funny. It's fun. So Super Smash Brothers is their big game for this fall. That's the big game. The thing that was interesting to me was Mario Maker, though. Um, yeah, they're coming after Minecraft a little bit. It's, it's, I don't think, I don't think it's, it's that. Gonna, I don't think it's going to do that. No. People have been saying that. It's Mario Paint. It's, yeah. Well, it seems like you can make Level like Mario making. levels. Yeah, yeah, you can make Mario levels. Which yeah. I would love to make Mario levels conceptually. I don't think I will very much, but it seems like a really great idea. Did you not see the photo of Miyamoto and the two kids? He was demoing Mario Maker 2, looking at the happiest kids ever. I don't I don't trust those kids on those stages. It wasn't stage, it was on the floor. Oh, well, I'm just saying, I don't They're trust plants. when there's a plants. when there's a kid that they a kid actor that they hire to come out and be the kid to do something and have kids fun. Would be, I mean, was it was it kids open like day? Games. Was it the like yeah. it was the last day, so it could have been a real kid. Yeah, I think it was a real kid. Do they like kids in on the on, on Yeah, when you're allowed to just come to E3, yeah. I think you can I don't no, think no, there's, no, there's no open day. So where did that kid no, no, get no, no, there? No. There's no I open day like anymore? Special like prize winners or Have there ever been an open day? Am I just no, being that up from TGS and the one in Germany Gamescom. Oh. E3 is industry events. Yeah. Yeah, it's all suits. Everybody's oh. wearing suits. Except for the cosplay. Nobody wears suits. Hardly anybody wears cosplays at E3 anymore. Someone was uh, complaining on Twitter. Oh, uh, Scott Butter- Butterworth was... Oh, uh, Butters. Butters. Butters, too. Yeah. I forgot that you guys know. I always forget that I know you guys from Future, and that's where we know all the same people from. Yeah, it's... it's Well, and it's weird walking around someplace like E3, because... You realize that like a th- it seems like maybe a third of the games industry is people who used to work at Future. Yeah. And are way more successful. Yeah. Like, whoa, he's running Twitch. <laughs> yeah. Or, or whoa, hey, he's at Facebook. He's in charge of Halo. Or, yeah. 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 <laughs> in charge of Halo. Yeah. Or, the hey, dude- he's writing the new Star Wars movie. Yeah. yeah. You know. Shit. <laughs> <sighs> what are we doing with um, our lives? <laughs> so we saw, we, uh, we saw some other games. Norm, you, you and Joey went to see Metal Gear Solid, which... Just to be clear, when you and Joey start talking about Metal Gear Solid, it is incomprehensible to well, me. There's a lot of lore. I, Joey knows a lot more. Um, I, yeah, there, we didn't see a lot of game demos because no. we were there for the hardware. Uh, mm-hmm. There are lots of games. Um, it's always fun to see E3 because we're all people who've been to E3 and CES mm-hmm. in completely different conventions. 
uh, even though they're both industry events. Um, CES is, it's what, like football fields on stacked on top it's of really football big. fields times three. And E3, it's really manageable. Yeah, you can get around pretty well. And, and it's the crowds aren't bad at all. They, they, they've really done a good job because it reached that critical mass and they went to Santa Monica and had a big reset. Yeah, I've gotten really proud of my ability to get around at CES, actually. Like, crowd navigation, yeah. you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about that at E3. No. Well, and it's all, see, the other thing about CES is you have to really plan your days based on geography. Mm-hmm. Because because there's like three halls, they're spread out all over the place. And then there's also people in suites all around town. Yeah. You have to, like... You have a day that you go to suites and then you have floor days. And if you mess up and book somebody in suites on a floor day, you'll lose like two hours in the middle of the day getting to and from places. But E3, it's also a higher percentage of good stuff. There's a lot less filler. That's true. Um, and that makes it a little overwhelming because we're only there for a day. And you know, walking around the main, the South Halls and the West Halls of the LA Convention Center, like, I want to see that game. I don't see that game. But we're never going to get a chance because most people are waiting in line and we don't have appointments. And so... Yeah, the line have, the lines are kind of a bummer. Yeah, when you want to get some hands yeah. on time with stuff. But the good thing about those conventions is after E three, they just go to Comic Con, they mm-hmm. go to PAX, and so there are a lot of places where people who aren't in the games business uh, can get access, early access, and play those same demos and see those big displays. I was going to say, I think the thing that's changed about E three, and one of the reasons it's a little bit smaller, is that if you're just a dude who works at GameSpot or something, stop. GameStop. GameStop. Sorry, guys. <laughs> a little um, there. Then you can go to PAX. You can get a PAX Pass and you can go see early Borderlands or early, you know, all the stuff that's going to come out in the wintertime, play it before everybody else and, and, and get that experience. And you don't have to fight your way into E3, which kind of isn't really, it's less and less yeah. for going and playing games on the floor than it ever has been before. Uh, so did you guys get hands on time with the Oculus Rift stuff? We so we did. went for hardware. We, right, we so only go for hardware. Um, that's hardware norm. That's hardware. And, and so Oculus, Sony Morpheus. And, <laughs> so I'm agreeing with you. Yes. yes. Yeah. And Control VR were the big things that we saw. Oh, cool. Um, and I guess we should just talk about Oculus. That's the first. That's the big I think thing. that's the one that everybody wants to know. Like mm-hmm. the, the thing that was different this year, it's been fun watching them over the last, I guess, two years now. Start with like a cool prototype and like some real rough tech demos and a product that kind of made people, they're like, you shouldn't use this for more than 15 minutes. It's a bad idea to right. do that. I, I threw up once after using it. Really? Yeah. In terms of things that potentially can change the world, it is so unlike iPhone, mm-hmm. you know, smartphones where it just dropped. And you know, one day in 2007, it existed. Here we followed the trajectory and from 2012 summer at QuakeCon where it was duct tape around ski goggles. Um, and, you know, and, and then CES where when we met with them at CES, they were excited that they were going to potentially beat out like an alienware system for most ex- best thing at CES yeah. or something yeah. and counting the votes. Well, I, I like I saw it at a backroom demo at PAX Prime in 2011, I think. And and it was 2012. 2012. Yeah, 2012. And it was it was crazy rough. Like it was it was they were demoing Doom and Doom looked really Doom 3 looked really neat, you know, but it was like yeah, this thing looks, this is really, really hoopty looking. Wait, were you at that demo that was just down the street, like uh, here in Soma? In GDC, yeah. Yeah, yeah. for GDC. That yeah. was, I think that was the first time I got hands-on time with it. Oh, really? And I got a little bit motion sick. Um, That's the one was, that you're not supposed to get motion sick with. I know, but I'm really sensitive too. So I'm like their worst case scenario. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have trouble with 3D movies. I have trouble with a lot of that stuff. You know, there's been a fair amount. There, uh, Dana Boyd posted something on Twitter a few months ago that was really interesting. Uh, and there's been some research that shows that women and men do stereoscopy differently. I did not know that. Yes. Really? It was su- super interesting because my wife has the same problem. She can't play first person shooters even wow. because they make her nauseous. So 
So in terms of the way your brain processes a 3D image um, or from a 2D image, Mm -hmm. uh, there's parallax. And then there's also, I forget what's the other method uh, that your brain uses. But parallax is when you shift left and right. Items in the foreground move differently. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's one technique that 3D, I think 3D, uh, 3D movies and 3D entertainment uses parallax as a way to trick your two eyes into thinking it's a 3D image. And that is what in some, in one research that I think Dan and Boyd did in one study um, found that her female colleagues and the female research subjects were worse at recognizing. Wow. Yeah. I'll have to go read that because that would be very relevant to, to my situation. Um, I thought it was just because one of my eyes is, is nearsighted and the other is farsighted. I have that. Do you? Yeah. Oh, well then I guess it's not. Do you have a, do you, but you wore over glasses. Um, I did not then. I was using Wait, contacts. Wait, are you sure that's an astigmatism? Because I've called it that and... Astigmatism is when the astigma- center is off. So I have I have a lot of stuff going on in this situation. <laughs> you, got, you got some eyeball business. Yeah, I've got okay. some business. So one's nearsighted, one's farsighted. My farsight... Wait, so if I see... So that's the one... Nearsighted is where you can see up close, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So my nearsighted eye is my left eye, which has the astigmatism. Yeah. Okay. And uh, my right side, my right eye um, needs correction more than my left eye. So when I'm wearing contacts, I only wear one contact lens, ah. and that corrects uh, the right eye. But then right you eye. have the astigmatism, which you've probably adjusted to. In the, oh, I'm sorry. In the my right eye. eye is the nearsighted eye. My left eye is the farsighted eye with the astigmatism. And so I think when I was using Oculus, both eyes weren't being corrected. So my oh. glasses correct the, the issues I have with the astigmatism, but my contacts do not. So perhaps I was getting some kind of field of vision thing or, you know. And the optics can be to... individually tweaked per eye in in, um, in the dev, dev kit. I know That's sitting cool. in those demos, they don't give you a lot of time to fix the glasses right. for your right. specific vision. Well, and if you get like outside of the sweet spot for the lens even, then it kind of warps the whole thing. So yeah. you, you got to get, anyway. But this is a big concern for them because they need to make, the point is to make VR something that can be adopted by the masses. Yeah. Not just gamers. And um, everybody's different. And so everyone it's... is different. Uh, the big thing in the Wired article that they talked about was when um, when uh, uh, the CEO of Oculus went over to Valve mm-hmm. and sat in Michael Abrash's demo, which was the, the, the fame room with the QR codes and the head tracking there. He got no uh, nausea. He is, he is very susceptible oh, okay. to it. Um, but that's not the technology that they're going to use in this Oculus. Like what they're... What they're locking down is the motion tracking based on you know the uh, the camera that's sitting in front of you, mm-hmm. the positional tracking camera, um, the IMUs they have in the Oculus, um, and then just lowering that latency so that when you move and when your eyes move, um, you're going to see what you expect to see. The, the brain expects to see. It doesn't. It's more. It's that it doesn't display incorrect information. Yeah, it only displays that, that correct lag. information. Yeah, there's that lag really causes a. Fuck up in your brain. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and and it's it's some people are much more susceptible to it than others. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's a there's a range. It seems like. Gotcha. But this this meeting actually wasn't really about hardware. Like they they had they were running DevKit two, which is the thing that's shipping for people who bought it in July. They said I think they're going to ship more of the DevKit twos, or they're hoping to ship more DevKit twos in the first week than they did the entire run of <laughs> DevKit one. Well, they're going to do about thirty. They've they've sold forty thousand pre orders. Awesome. Um, that's and, great. And while they, they'll say to you, oh, that's that shows you how many developers are excited about this. A considerable amount of those are just gamers who want early access. Definitely. Uh, I don't know if they, they haven't revealed how many people have downloaded the SDK, but I would assume individual users signed in downloaded download the SDK far lower than the actual 40,000. I, I actually bet you're wrong because I, I know for a have fact you downloaded that, the SDK? Yeah, I downloaded the SDK. I didn't, so that's lower than 40,000. Well, but, <laughs> like, but it, on the other side of it is companies like Double Fine who've been doing 
uh, Oculus, like they, they did an Oculus game jam last year, right? Mm-hmm. Where they just made some cool Oculus demos and they had like two or three dev kits for the whole company and 60 people working on different stuff. So, you know, for every, every think, one of us, I bet that there's a small development studio. Right. Someplace I'm with not five saying that people. there aren't developers. I'm just saying that it's not 40,000 developers. It's not a massive. Oh, I bet it's more than 40,000 developers. But it's a lot of people, too. Yeah. Like no, no, of also. course. Of course. I agree. Um, Those so people should not buy that. Enthusiasts. Yes. People who've pre-ordered the DK2 will get theirs uh, either in early August or late July. They're estimated to ship out 30,000 in July and then the rest in August. And if you, you can still pre-order now, you will get it. So did August. you try Alien Isolation? We, yes. did. we tried all three of Was it scary? Oh my god. Was it so I, scary? Did, were, were you recording when I screamed? <gasps> uh no. So the so the setup for Alien no, Isolation. Oh, I never want to play and we'll never play it. Here's the here's the thing about <laughs> it. This was the probably the least of the of the three demos. This was the one I liked the least. I liked it quite a bit. Okay. Um but you start out on a spaceship, you, it opens up, you kind of can look around and walk around, you, you control yourself with a gamepad. Um, but it's very dark and moody and kind of, it, it's very re- reminiscent of, uh, the Nostromo, right. Mm-hmm. In alien where, you know, there's a lot of corridors and there's cool doors and all it's sorts kind of, of like stuff. Like doom that. level. Yeah. It's, it's, it's dirty future, not uh, clean future. Now this isn't, this is a demo made specifically to showcase Oculus support. Right. So it's not like it's the game's coming out in October, but this isn't necessarily a level that's going to be in the game. Okay. And it's, it's like they weren't even committing to VR being a part of the game. This is just something that they gend up as, as well, yeah, it's coming out for, yeah, right. for consoles anyway, people are going to play this game on a TV and it, and this is a different experience than you got on the TV. And I will probably not play it's, it's, in any, uh, any way. I can't, I can't play. Well, so I'm a giant baby. But one of the things, one of the things they talked about is jump scares. Because the thing I don't like is jump scares. Jump scares make me very, very anxious. Well, it's a combination. It's the lead up because you are totally freaked out. It is scary. It is quiet. You can sense that something is coming. Oh yeah. So and that's the that the, build up is like I hate that. That's like the uh, the Slenderman games or oh, those things are terrible. Or, uh, what's the dread? Um, dread halls. Dread halls. No, no. You're it's alone in the rift is the one you're thinking of. We we played horror demos. I'm sorry. Um, even a game like uh, if you uh, like it, that's fine. Which we we'll call it um, Gone Home, which isn't a horror game. I was totally scared of it, Gone you Home. Could, you could be scared by that. I was the music, sure that yeah. it was going to turn into right. a scary game, right. and I was like, "Yeah, I, I had Hold a hard time." Gone on Home's not scary. It's well, okay. I played like five minutes, and you I didn't I love. Oh hell no! Oh, oh no! I expected Thunderman to jump out. Absolutely have to. No, nothing jumps out at you. Sorry, spoiler. Uh, that's fine. We, the idea so, is that you're reading really disturbing time. things yeah. and you're experiencing and your brain fills in, the mm-hmm. imagination fills in. It's not at all the game you think it is. Right. Okay. So um, play it. Really, you I should play playing it. Doom but that's 3. the Doom perfect 3 kind of game for me. For Oculus, uh, where you can't look away. Mm-hmm. You can't you're, you can't hide your eyes because you can close your eyes. But if you have the audio turned on, and a lot of it is the audio, you need the positional audio. I'm, I'm starting to have like a panic attack just thinking about this game. So... So I, on Octobercast last year, I strapped in and played a mind numbing series of horror games for, for the Oculus, just small experiences. And at first I was, I'm, I was with you. Like, I don't like jump scares and I don't like, like, like I said, Doom 3 was, I stopped playing Doom 3 because it was too scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, Some things in Doom 3, they're really smart and it was relying on a lot of like monster closets and jump scares, but they would kind of play test and see where players would normally look like. If you walk down this hall and there's a glass uh, to your left and behind the glass is a cool animation and like, oh my God, graphics look so amazing, then the monster comes up behind you because they know people are going to turn to the left. 
and then you see the reflection <gasps> in your thoughts. No. Well, so, nope. So nope. that's a smart game. But design. here's here's no. the thing about jump scares ultimately are kind of cheap though, right? Because all they have to do is hey, you, they know you're gonna turn one way or the other, put the monster on the side, you're not gonna be give you an audio cue, you'll turn around. The thing that that the Oculus guys are realizing by building a bunch of first party demos is that there's they're they're finding there's a whole new language to these kinds to all games, but specifically to these because they know where you're looking. Like they don't just know you're you're facing in this general direction. They know that the thing you're looking at is in the center of your field of view because of the way the goggles work. Right. So once they have that information, they can build much more effective scaring mechanisms oh uh, than just the the traditional old fashioned jump scare. I feel like I talked about this with Gary at some point. Like I really feel because we I don't Probably. think he likes scary stuff either. No. And there's like a whole bunch of we we noped about no who was it oh I can't remember someone and I really bonded over like I, scare oh I think it was Kirk Hamilton. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I think Scared. we had we had a, a shared bond over just being like, nope, not going to. No, no. A, f- a, nope. Friend, a friend of mine gave me a copy of, of Fatal Frame for the Xbox, which is, I, I don't know if you've not played it. Mm-mm. It's a game where you are like a Japanese school, school girl and you have to walk into a haunted house and save your family or something. And the only thing you have is a camera. <laughs> so you can, you take, when you look through the viewfinder, you see the ghosts in the otherwise normal rooms. And I played maybe five minutes of that. It's like, nope, I'm done with this. I'm going to give it back to you. Yeah, the Weeping Angels mechanic. Yeah. That's that's oh. a new, that's a new horror, and that's perfect for all that. Oculus. I have. I it took me a really long time to be what, able to watch Blink. What's the Weeping Angels the, for Doctor Who? And Doctor, it's uh, but it's in the the Dread Halls. Um, the idea that if you look at it's, it's like uh, in Super Mario. The shy ghosts. Yeah, shy guy. Yeah, shy, shy those, guys. Shy, shy guys. No, no, shy, shy guys are the. No, it's just the ghosts. It's boo. boo is what they're called. Oh, yes. the boos. Yeah, it's like boo, so but instead move. of moving slowly, imagine boo who can teleport behind you and move real quickly. Yeah. So every time you, so uh-huh. like say, like I'm looking at Norm and he's like standing there, and then I turn yeah. around and, suddenly, and then I go back and he's I'm like way closer face. to me. Oh, so the like that that Sphinx thing in Dread Halls. Yes, like there was yeah. a specific monster. As long as you were looking at him, he couldn't do anything. Yes, but you had to turn around to open the door, and as right. soon as you turn back, you'd be right behind you, be like ah. That is the perfect Oculus horror experience. That was really good. Okay, so then speaking of time manipulation, (laughs) the next demo that they had, um, I can't remember what this is called. It's the the Kickstarter game. Super hot. Super hot, thank you. It's called super hot because when you fail or when you succeed, the screen pops up with text that says, you think you're super hot, huh? I don't know if that's exactly why it's called super hot. Okay. Well, it said that in the game. So either it's referencing the name or the name anyway. Yeah. So super hot is a, basically it's like a corridor shooter and it's kind of like a bullet time puzzle game. So you start at the end of a hallway and you have to run to the other end and shoot some guys, very standard first person shooter stuff. But what the trick is the faster you go, the, the faster time moves and the slower you go, the slower time moves. So if you stop time, it doesn't exactly all the way stop, but it gets real, real slow. Mm-hmm. And then when time stopped, you can actually see the bullet paths and you can, you can, I mean, presumably you can play this with a mouse and keyboard or gamepad, not the Oculus. But if you have the Oculus, you can like move your head to the side and get and watch the bullet just go by. And then you can go forward a little bit and speed up. And so you have a little matrix moment. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's like 2002 all over again. Yeah. And it's uh think about it, it's braid. Like the puzzle game Braid, the mm-hmm. first person. So that sounds neat. Yeah, it's a really yeah. good concept. It's something that came out of a game jam. It not it just they have a Kickstarter. It's been successful, um, and it's an example of a small development team taking a high concept and adopting that high concept to VR because it's suitable for VR and everyone who doesn't want to dodge bullets. 
I liked what I heard about Lucky's Tale. So yes, that's the third game. This is the this um, one was this and was great. this was unique among the three games we saw because this is developed specifically for Oculus. There is right. no non Oculus version, and it's third person, right? And it's a third person game. It's like a Super Mario World. Uh, it's like a Super Mario sixty four where you're it's a platformer. Mm-hmm. You're you're playing a side scrolling you know third person behind over the shoulder camera character running and jumping collecting coins stomping enemies well, but it's like a 3d one it's not like a 2d side it's not new super mario brothers it's super mario world and how does that work being being in the third person perspective so kind of thing? uh whereas if you play uh super mario galaxy or any 3d platformer crash bandicoot the camera is fixed behind mm-hmm. the or program so you know when you go around a corner then it'll be a side view on a corridor it'll go in a behind or it's on the second stick sometimes yes yeah. uh Instead of it being fixed all the time, you can look around in not just a 2D plane, but in a 3D world. So your head becomes a camera and you can look, you can get up close to the character. You can look around the corner from the character. So are you physically, are you moving your head around? Around the world. So it's like there's a miniature set. But I mean, are you physically moved? Like you have to Yeah, oh yeah. Your head's not mapped in the world. Um, But it's as if you're this god looking at this miniature set. And you're playing a character running around the miniature set. Ah. Um, and then you can see in advance when things are coming up and get different perspectives. Now, that gives you depth information where you wouldn't normally get it in, in a game mm-hmm. um, in a 3D, in a, on a 2D screen. So in Mario, if, if you're throwing a turnip or something, you have the dot, you know, the trajectory. And you still have that. But seeing that in 3D, it gives you a much better sense of you know, how far you're throwing, how far you need to charge oh. up. and. Or if you need stuff. to stomp something that's in, oh, in this, away from you, you don't have to like look for the shadow on the ground underneath you to know where you are in the in the Z axis. You can just see; it just works. This, for some reason, this just popped into my head, but I really want to play Black and White too. Yeah, that's, uh, with that's Oculus Rift. Yes, yeah, no, that and that's like, a perfect kind of world where you're looking at you know small area, and you can like go in, and instead of scrolling a mouse to zoom in, you're just moving your head in. Mm-hmm. And I think. I think that moving your head in move is going to be real weird in the real world. Like if I'm sitting at my desk and I'm doing this, eventually I'm just going to smash <laughs> into my keyboard and mouse. Well, that's that's the game developers, developers challenge. Yeah. Guess, um, and it's not like the camera doesn't automatically move. There's still some camera movement mm-hmm. and it's a real gentle swaying. Um, but you have the, more of the control of, of your camera. Um, so, okay. So then like, like, I think that was, I thought that was one of the best things. Again, kind of all that wanted me all, all that made me want was Mario games in the Oculus Rift in this kind of camera on the track format. Um, I So what, what they've done is Oculus is now hiring and they have hired uh, game developers, artists, programmers, producers. Uh, they hired uh, Jason Rubin, who is a co-founder of Naughty Dog. Um, so, wow. And also um, this other guy, Jason, I forget his last name, but he, he found... he built the steam platform for valve. Mm-hmm. So they're building a way to distribute their games. They're building first party games, maybe not hundred million dollar games, but high quality experiences. That's like the Mario and the Nintendo model of here's our Mario Kart, Here's our proof of concept for the Wiimote or, or 3ds, but for virtual reality, well, I'm really excited for them. Like, it's, yeah, I mean, they're in a wonderful place. It seems mm-hmm. like, and the great thing is that none of it felt like it was Facebook influenced. It's just that they have the money now and they can hire faster and they can build infrastructure to support these yeah, platforms. That's a good point. 
Um, we also saw Morpheus, which is Sony's uh, headset. We it's say, basically the same hardware they were showing at GDC. We talked about it at length then, so we won't get into that. But we played a couple of demos that we hadn't seen before. Um, one uses move controllers. So you put on the glasses, you put on the goggles. And, and I have to say, I really love the way the Sony goggles work because you put this band on your head and then you kind of slide the goggles up over your face so you can leave your glasses on. The Oculus glasses uh, just don't work with glasses at all. No, okay, I mean, that's... Cause it's I mean, a strap. It, it, yeah. it, it, it's it like, works, but it's pressing your glasses against your face because the band is going around the back of your head plus over the top. It's like wearing ski goggles over yeah. glasses gotcha. still. Uh, with Morpheus, it's more wearing a visor, so it's on, on your forehead, on the back of your head, and then you're flipping down like a mask, a welding mask. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Um, I played a very a fairly active game where you use the move controllers and you kind of punched this dummy in front of you, and then they gave you swords. So you swung the swords. Do you? So I haven't tried it. Do you have transparency in the in the in the goggles at all? So can you see anything? Yeah. No, no, so that, it's that just like the starts, Oculus. This is the thing that's going to start scaring me about about the the headsets the and VR. the goggles, yeah. and the VR in general, and being very physical, as you just mentioned, um, in, in game types like that, because you're going to start punching TVs or people, lamps or tea or well, animals. just like the Wiimote. You got to wear yeah. the Wii strap. You're going to be guidelines. You need this tape out of the circle. That, you, yeah. could, you could see around you. You yeah. knew what kind of space you were in with this. I'm going to get really into games and I'm going to start breaking shit. Well, well uh, there's, <laughs> I mean, but that's it. That's it. Right. It's like, I, I was doing these sword swings and punching yeah. and swinging. I, at one point I had a flail and I was going like this over my head and wailing on this dummy. And had they not been keeping people out of the danger zone, yeah. I could have really punched the hell out of someone without even knowing it. Right. And VR will eventually be untethered. Mm-hmm. The power will mm-hmm. be built in. You're going to plug a smartphone in or something. It'll be mobile. Um, this is why we need the giant hamster wheels. Yeah. That are on a platform. And so you can run in one place and do all your stuff inside the hamster wheel. The hamster ball. You the saw that. Ball. You saw that at GDC, I right? Did. did you get in it? No, I saw it at Expand. Okay. In New York. Did you did you get in it? I did not get in it, no. You know, I'll tell you the, the tricky part of the hamster wheel that. is that you can't stop. It's very difficult to stop oh, <laughs> once really? it starts going. <laughs> well, there's momentum. Well, we apparently. had the one where you're belted in. That's the one that I tried. Or oh, the, the one that I was around. Like the treadmill thing. Yeah. It's like a 360 treadmill. Yeah. And so you've got this uh, barrier around your waist. The Virtuix Omni. Yeah. And we, so, yeah. Yes, yes. We've both done Omni. that. And uh, so how, you didn't like it? It's not good. It's because the, the floor convincing. doesn't actually move. Uh, like a treadmill, mm-hmm. it's it's um, I had capacitive a- touch based, so it's tracking your slides against their mat uh, with the shoes, um, and their their problems. The gate, your gate wasn't represented properly. Uh, imagine, did you try it? No. Okay, so imagine running in a disc, like you know those snow saucers that you use. Yes. Imagine one of those being bolted to the floor and you being held stationary above it, and then trying to run inside that kind of a gentle curve. So you have to do that like weird. It's a su- yeah. it was okay. super like, and it, the other problem I had was that it didn't translate well into actual movement in the game. So like I wasn't getting one-to-one, like when I lifted up my right foot, it didn't lift up my right foot in game. And I was walking like that. It just kind of like the faster you went, the faster you went in game. So mm-hmm. you ended up eventually just kind of flailing. <laughs> Trying to go as and, fast as you can. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, physical it, therapy. Yeah. Their problems could have been software based and all that. And, and, but uh, yeah, well, I that sounds impressed. just kind of a conceptual issue. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have not tried the hamster ball either. Um, was that, does that Norm did that a few no, years the ago. Hamster ball was something that was at GDC a couple of years ago. It was literally a giant hamster ball. Cause you think about it, the hamster, the, the ball needs to be big for the floor to be flat. 
Like if it's a small ball, then you're walking at these inclines. You're doing the same thing. Yeah. yeah. You have same the same problem. So it was a really big ball, but the bigger the ball, the heavier it is. And so the harder it was for you to get started and stop it, and you just ended up running and then falling. You could do that like uh, do what the hamsters do. They just lay flat and then right. spin around yeah, a few right. times. Just go to, right. Do exactly. a few loops. Right. Yep. And then shoot out the outside. Yes. Your ride's up. Did you hear that really interesting scientific study um, that uh, they were trying to prove that hamsters actually and mice and a lot of small animals um, really just enjoy being on the wheels? Oh, I, I, I Like will get they that. do it for fun yeah. or will, are they doing it because they're bored out of their mind? Um, and so they essentially left a hamster wheel in the middle of a huge garden okay, and just waited and put a camera on it. <laughs> and the mice just came out and hung out on the hamster like wheel. Like wild mice? Wild mice, even oh, though they had funny. no reason to not. I mean, to they had no reason to be there. They were just like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, this looks fun. I'll try this. Wow. So that, and so they actually really enjoy it. I, I've always wanted to put like one of those hamster habitats with the big, all the tubes just out in the backyard. That is, so I have always wanted to have. This is, I have this weird like building complex yeah. um, where, so like when I was a kid, I would make like um, in, in science club, we would make these ball bearing tracks, like race tracks and yeah. just make them all over the room. I've always wanted to make like catwalks, like all over my house where the cats could just like go from room to room through little cubbies and like show up on the other side, crazy cat lady style. Or I always wanted to have like a super huge hamster habitat that yeah. was just like, Am I weird? Is no, that- I think that's a, like I think that's cool. <laughs> I mean, like, like I always wanted to have model trains that rolled around yes, the upstairs talked, of the roof. We yeah, we've that? talked about model trains. Yeah, before, I'm I really. I would like to have a whole room of model trains yeah. and just like oh, build that, crazy yes, tracks that would everywhere. Be cool. I just have some like I just want to like build out an entire space where but, I can like it's. I think that's why I like SimCity so much. Yeah, well, I like the idea of secret passages and stuff like that. And yeah. that hamster, like the hamster habitat, kind of trick. Like it seems like it would be fun to navigate a hamster maze. Mm-hmm. Like to be scaled down or scale up. Like the maze, I want to make guess. it really fun for them. Yeah, you and give them some variety them. and see them explore it and see what parts they like, and see then if they figure things out and change the parts that they don't like and like put something really awesome in some hard to get spot. And hmm. Yeah, entertain me. Toy with their fragile little minds. But yeah, having having a cat and a dog already, I don't think I can convince Ryan to let me have a, a hamster room. We, I, the hamster situation is. I've been trying to suggest that, you know, children they need to have, and they eat them though. Yeah, they only eat them if you, if you do things wrong. I did things wrong. Yeah. I brought home, I, I brought home the school hamster oh, one time and she had babies and then ate them all no! in the long weekend. It was oh, really God, super traumatic. The whole traumatic. weekend of trauma. Yeah. Memorial day. I'll never be the same again. <laughs> um, Norm did the other demo with Morpheus, uh, which uh, yeah, kind so, of highlighted some of the problems with and the hardware. The demo that we'll talk about was called castle, which used the move controller. Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, it was something that Sony has that um, Oculus doesn't have, which is motion control in their games. Sony has had two gener- a generation and a half now of move controller support, which is the six of the light balls. Yep. Um, and so when you adapt that to VR, it makes perfect sense. You know, just like you would use a Wiimote or move controller to simulate firing a bow and arrow, you can now do that in VR and see your bow and arrow. And it actually, like, the thing that having that, a 3D representation of hands mm-hmm. that are your hands theoretically that you can hold up in front of your face really gives you that sense of presence. Well, like is you, that the kind of thing that we're thinking about for? So I'm not too familiar with it, but the the um the control VR stuff. Yeah, so the we'll control VR yes. combining. Yeah, yes. I'll, I'll look yeah, at that. absolutely. Um, so the other demo with Morpheus wasn't um wasn't with the the move controllers, but it did give you a good sense of presence, and it was called Street Luge, and you sat on a beanbag, put on the VR headset. And you're sliding down, basically like snowboarding down a street. You've seen those like longboard videos where mm-hmm. they do like Berkeley Hills yeah. and do the crazy longboards. It was like that, but lying down. And you had cars, you're supposed to draft behind cars. 
and slide underneath trucks and you're moving really fast. Um, but you're basically your only mode of control is tilting your body left or right. Did you have a sense? Did it trick you into having a sense of movement? Yes, like definitely into a sense of speed. And, okay. and especially when collisions were about to happen, I really wanted to. You flinched pretty good a few times. Really wanted to like get out of the car, that car's way. And obviously you go through the car, you know, there's no haptic feedback, but <laughs> you do f- feel like you're moving fast. I was, you know, I had probably my most intense VR experience was at Star Tours. Really? Um, yeah. The new Star Tours? Yeah, the new Star Tours. Tours fantastic. It was really incredible. I mean, they do have the benefit. No, they do have the benefit of, you know, actual movement in the, in yeah. the, in the capsule that you're in. Um, but at the end, I got the one where you crash land on the deck and the other ship comes like right, breaks through the uh-huh. window and comes right at you. And all of us were just like, Wah! And like, you don't, you kind of forget, like it was, it was 3D. So you did have the glasses on, but it felt like I was getting kind of motion sick as I do. Oh yeah. Like, and it's things, amazing. Because it felt like I was in the spaceship the whole yeah. time. I mean, like that sense of presence is, and once you get tastes of that, you just want more. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it is, um, it's super appealing in a way that like the first time I played a third person, a first person shooter, I was like, oh, uh, this is I like this. This is fun. I like to run through mazes. I mm-hmm. like to shoot people. I like to, you know, do all the things that made Doom and Quake in those early games super appealing. Um, so the the presence thing, the, like you were laying down for the luge thing. They literally laid you down on a beanbag with the castle demo. I was standing and every once in a while you kind of like you get a little weird vertigo because your position in the game and you gravity mm-hmm. don't necessarily line up. So you kind of, you kind of have to stagger and it's interesting because Sony is, is definitely showing standing demos where Oculus is, is really pretty insistent that their stuff is all sit down at least for right now. Sit down or stool. Yeah. If you want to get higher up and do lean back stuff. Well, it's still a very big piece of gear to have on your head too. Well, it's the Morpheus is, is definitely a little bit larger. I think it's a little more comfortable because they have that kind of mm-hmm. like it hooks around the base of your skull and then kind of, balances yeah the the um yeah the 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 oculus is still pretty front heavy like yeah that's that was the issue that i had yeah because i've done it i've done it both standing and and in seated um yeah you know this all makes me think of like i mean you read um ready player one Mm -hmm. right so uh, you know that that is kind of my ultimate goal of of virtual reality you just want to move into a trailer in the middle of the country and jack in yes okay well, I'm excited about that kind of stuff. I mean, the, the combination of all these different technologies kind of converging together into a truly like really immersive experience where you are unable to tell the difference between the virtual and, and the real is is scary, but also like super interesting to me. Soylent, really exciting. Or even from a telepresence standpoint. Yeah. yeah. You know, robotics and, and motors will get better mm-hmm. and... And, and latency will come down and internet connections and will it be starts, fast enough. It's starting to feel like we're, we're creating all of these elements disparately, but you know, they're, they're converging in some ways like the Morpheus, for example, where yeah. you have the ability to control elements using your hands in the 3d space um, and having that one-to-one kind of, you know, zero lag time. Uh, so did you feel, did you feel, cause move has always been pretty close. Move on. was really fast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like, I don't connect. I actually talked yeah. to them while Norm was doing the demos. Uh, one of the move people, one of the hardware people and they were like, look, I, I said, Hey, do you think move needs to be, is this, is this going to be the final move that we see? Or are you going to keep updating this? And, and is there going to be a move 2.0? Well, I'd like to when have it just on gloves, out? you know, just not have to have the, not have to hold controllers anymore. I think the gloves are, are 
it's interesting you bring up the gloves. I think part of the reason the move is so good, though, is because they do optical tracking on that big ball. Well, put the ball in the gloves. Well, you could put the ball in the gloves. I don't or you can stuff. wear the glove and hold the stick. Yeah. yeah. There's no reason why these things can't work together. I mean, if it's a sword that I'm holding, then great. I can use the move controller. If it's, you know, if I'm casting magical spells, yes. I want to have my hands free. Oh, yeah. Magic missile. Yeah. Magic missile. And magic missile is what control VR yeah. is all about. And I think this is probably it's the biggest nice surprise for us um, at E3. This is a new Kickstarter just launched last week. Uh, they had a very small booth on the side of like the VR pavilion like a meeting. Um, <laughs> and there were long lines to get this demo because uh, it was it really worked. It looks super janky. It's it looks like something people made by hand. Yeah. Uh, the the actual uh, IMUs the the motion trackers did not, but like the way that they were mounted to you looked like something that people had stitched together by hand, which is which is to be expected where they're at, where they're at. And the way that works is you put on this harness, which has a tracker at the center, kind of like Iron Man's um, arc reactor. Yeah, looks just like that. Uh, but that's the orientation point where all the other trackers match. Uh, you calibrate. You put on these gloves. They track your upper arm your wrist and your fingers. And, one and I think point, the top of your hand as well. Top of your hand and two points in your thumbs. Um, and you think, oh, okay, you, we've seen motion trackers and we've seen things like, but even like I've used some of the super expensive things that people use for CAD stuff, yeah. you know, like the, the things that inspired minority report and all, and none of them are very good. Right. Like leap motion, I guess is the closest because leap motion with a new software update is supposed to have, it's all in the processing. It's supposed to have like finger tracking to a point where it can model your skeleton. Um, the software is building a model of your skeleton and then, and then we'll connect is the other, right, other exactly. example. Yeah. Um, and this kind of, this technology combines those things. It can be paired with leap motion and the demo they showed, which they said they developed only over the course of two weeks was really good. Mm. Uh, it, and it was multiplayer. Mm -hmm. It was interactive. So it was paired with like an Oculus Rift, uh, DK one development kit one. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Will and I played, we were on the moon. We were in the new NASA spacesuits, the new ones. They did the, right, the, the ones design, the hard shell yeah. climb yep. in the back. Yeah. Um, and we had a, uh, so it can be paired with other accessories. So we had a, like a, Wii a joystick, uh, thumbstick in one hand and we're using that for movement. But our hands were, recreated in the game you you literally could lift up your hand and go like move could, move each finger individually oh yeah turn it around move each finger and individually the response was instantaneous and you got an incredible sense of presence now they need to do some calibration in terms of how far that virtual hand is away from your your eyes mm -hmm. but we were fake high-fiving we were you were able to reach out and touch your other arm yes that was oh, a cool I want thing that so much like, i want to know you could lift up because you could lift up your left hand and there were buttons on your suit and you could touch the buttons on your arm and activate things. That was a little loosey goosey, the touching the buttons on your arm. Like I ended up just, you kind of just, well, give them, give them I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, and, and they had, they definitely had some like early problems, like getting the calibration right was a little bit tricky and you know, it tended to drift. And after a while my head was aimed this way, but my arms were over, but, but it, it's the first thing we've used that's anywhere near like that that actually worked in any kind of like way that I feel safe saying, yes, this is something that they can take from where it is now to a place that I would want to use it. And and I think there's a place to use that outside of even VR applications. So like I could see opening up a piece of like sculpting software, like one, two, three D sculpt mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. like that, and and actually using my hands to sculpt instead of and using a mouse cursor. Haptic feedback, or yeah, or using it for medical training or things that you have to like practice in a field. Like yeah. for example, yeah. in in the field rather, like uh, 
I don't know, disarming a bomb, or, for example, where you want to be able to see how things right. work and things like that. You can have fine motor. I skills. think they should practice that on real bombs. I think actually, <laughs> but you can I'm combine okay that with tools. That. Like if you're using medical training, you mm-hmm. can have a tool in your hand and you're tracked in a virtual space, but you actually feel something. You'll and there's no reason they couldn't feedback. track the tool too. Is mm-hmm. the is the yeah. point? Oh yeah, um, uh, animation. So if you're if you want to be, be your own motion capture system and track, you know, and, and animate a character. Mocap can, hands. Mocap. Yeah. All the stuff, is pretty, it's pretty limitless. But you could be a puppeteer. You know, puppeteers have a lot of money to spend, guys. <laughs> um, it's really neat. The Kickstarter is live now. I think they're selling the dev kit, which just to be clear, we say this every time and nobody listens to us. This is a dev kit. You, if you want to experience this, don't buy it. Just go to PAX. I'm sure they'll be there and you'll be able to wait in line and see it. Um, it's going to be it's the dev kit 600 bucks on Kickstarter for, for the Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, and, uh, like I, I would not be surprised if they're not purchased in very short order. Like it, it was a, it was a really good demo. If their stuff actually, if we weren't seeing smoke and mirrors and what they have, is actually repeatable and scalable and works. It is, it is super yeah, if duper it, if it exciting. Pairs well with Oculus, then, have you, you know, Facebook has money to throw at that. Yeah. Have you, have you played, um, uh, the, the survival games, like the armor three mods, um, Daisy and Daisy. all that stuff. No. So a lot of those games and people love the simulation games. It's, it's basically a virtual world that you're playing in. And so much of it is voice and gesture based, um, waving at people and not shooting at them necessarily. But, but right now, like the controls for those, those games are like old flight sim controls, right? There's like dozens and dozens of keyboard buttons you have to press. It's, it's all like hotkeys. Yeah. Right? It's all hotkeys. So you imagine if you're playing some type of virtual game and maybe you're still playing with a keyboard and mouse, but at some point you lift your hand up and you can wave at someone or you can point at things. Um, it doesn't even need to be paired with VR. It just makes that game that much more immersive. Norm and I tried multiple different types of sign language during our demo and I was able to get his message pretty clearly. <laughs> I bet. Um, so that's pretty much it. Uh, I got to play IDARB finally. Grim Fandango. Coming out on PlayStation Yay. 4. I never played Grim Fandango, so this is exciting to me. Yeah, it's going to be great. I mean, they. I, I think that Tim said it's coming to more platforms yes. probably in the future. They were um, going to talk about more. Yeah, it, yeah, I think he got some grief. Yeah. But, but it seems like it will be on PC and, that's every, and super Xbox exciting and everything. for everyone. Um, um, I just, I love their team and I'm so happy that he gets to see this continue on. I, I missed that when it came out because I was playing first person shooters online and was like, I don't need to adventure games those are for kids and <laughs> i missed the greatest adventure game ever by all reports so yeah. yeah that's a whole new generation of kids who have no reverence for that yeah and i'm really curious to i think the it's i think the, the art style is definitely gonna hold oh, up yeah and, and i mean it like i'd love to play those kinds of games on ipad like i loved playing the telltale games on ipad i think you know that's a good experience and it's nice that you can take it with you and and all that kind of I stuff i never so. play games on the ipad really it's I all don't. all work huh? yeah it's all email in bed Mm. That is wow. my iPad experience. Wow. I haven't even, I installed Hearthstone, but I haven't played it yet. <sighs> Hearthstone's so good. I love Hearthstone, yeah. Um, I played iDarb, which is, um, it's, it's just super, it's a couch game. You play with four players and you get to, you yell, I think it plays up to eight players. You yell at each other and you throw balls into other people's goals. It's like soccer, but with violence. So more violence, I guess. Yeah, so you guys missed all the big press conferences. We, uh, um, we were, I was welding that day, I think. Cool. Yeah, so it's and it's better. also live streamed. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all it's yeah. on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, Norm, you put Turing test bullshit on this list. Yeah, last weekend um, there was a uh, press release from the University of Reading, 
yeah. so University a lot of Virginia, of about uh, a machine finally passing the famed Turing test. Um, so wait, does that mean the singularity has begun? We're all doomed. The robots no, are going to take over okay. and kill us we're, all. I think we're okay, unless unless we think. How do I know that one of you is not a robot? Yeah, I, I think that what it means is that customer support chatbots might get a little better. Uh, if you want customer support from a 13-year-old Ukrainian child. Yeah, that's, that's, well, that's what, what I get now, pretending, right? right? It's pretending to be a 13-year-old Ukrainian boy. Was it yeah. speaking was English? To, yes, yes, which was part of the thing that it was trying to do was say, oh, well, this kid, he's a kid, first of all, and he doesn't have a great mastery of the English language. So any mistakes that the computer was making, you were supposed to attribute to now, those I, I have I also have a ch- I have also a machine that simulates a uh, two-year-old. Also, no master of English, but I, I bet convinced you was a two-year-old masking on a keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was total <laughs> bullcrock. Um, Good headline, though. Good headline. Yeah. Um, the idea with the Turing test is also just suspect. I know it's something that people still have fun with, but these are not supercomputers. These are chat scripts. Yeah. These are, there's some, some co- you know, good coding database retrieval involved. Um, it's not like Watson parsing an Alex Trebek style Jeopardy question and no. coming up with an answer by searching for Wikipedia. No, n- okay. not like that at all. Um, there is some, you know, some databasing uh, and information storage, but the issue the, is learning, right? Yeah, it's really like it has to learn, right? And and the parameters of the test as they performed it was that it would just need to convince thirty percent, at least thirty percent of the three hundred judges, of which some were just like celebrities. Uh, like low grade British celebrities um, that it was a human and it convinced like 33%. So the Turing test has always been a, a measure of our own ability to one, want to believe the persons on the other side is mm-hmm. connect with other people and just how gullible we are. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, gosh, I would have loved to have been a judge on that just because not that I necessarily think I would have done better, um, but I'm just curious to see like, I mean, how many different computers were competing I feel like you'd probably get a little bit of brain fatigue, mm-hmm. like after a time trying to and figure 30, out what was real and what was not. And 30% is just pretty low. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I, yeah. Okay. Okay. So I think we should move on. I feel like this is, we have given this enough time. Fair enough. Um, Intel justice <laughs> moves so slow. Uh, Intel lost its appeal and has to pay $1.4 billion fine in the EU Womp. because of anti-competitive practices, practices against AMD. Now, if I recall, this is a, this is like a five years in the making <laughs> now at this yeah. point. So a props to the EU for actually levying fines that are substantial enough that the companies will notice and not any of our like FCC super toothy $200 million fines that are like four minutes of revenue for Verizon. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, yeah. So that's happening. Uh, there was a big tweet deck exploit this week. Yeah. So basically, um, just log out of your tweet deck and log back in. It should be fine. Is that I? So I when I was reading this all happened while we were eighty three yesterday. So yeah. we missed like I got the beginning and the end. A teenager claims he accidentally found an exploit by. Um, Basically, he just typed stuff into the Twitter box. Was, I, I can't remember exactly what he typed. It was like a cross-site scripting thing, right? Yeah, and yeah. Um, apparently that enabled people to gain access to accounts and 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 retweet things and, and do stuff and like make, that. Yeah, like there were people who were tweeting things and so then immediately following with, I didn't tweet that. Yeah. That wasn't me. So he he said he accidentally figured that out. He wasn't intending to, to break through the security of TweetDeck, and um, he was just trying some things that apparently had been out for a little while too, like other people had known about. 
Um, and so now it's apparently fixed. So I had forgotten because TweetDeck is um, has before Twitter bought TweetDeck, they had their own accounts where you could like aggregate multiple Twitter accounts settings across one right. UI and build columns and save all sorts of your favorites. So that mm-hmm. you just logged into that TweetDeck account. And I updated my Twitter password with a super secure one years ago. And then I completely forgotten that I used to use TweetDeck at TweetDeck and and had to go in and revoke access to TweetDeck on Twitter, um, which was the initial way they said, hey, make sure you do this. You should just do that regularly anyway. I mean, you should always log into accounts that, that make access of like API stuff to revoke access to things you don't use anymore. Yeah, it's a it's a general good policy, both on Facebook and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Google has that as well now. Um, trying to think whether other places you do that kind of OAuth level authentication. Um, but yeah, so I revoked access and then re-added it when I got home. I, like, I still use TweetDeck on Windows because it's it's the browser, it's the Twitter client that is on windows norm's buying something right now Buying something um (laughs) i'll talk about it in a second okay what um what's 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 everybody's twitter do you does anybody use twitter on windows here sitting at the table okay never mind i use the twitter website norm is a twitter website person he refuses tweetbot tweetbot's really good yeah i wish i had tweetbot for windows but i know that's never gonna happen no um there's a couple small things that have come out of the ios beta ios 8 beta um, they added camera stuff like time lapse, uh, the ability to do like a 10 second delay. So you can press the button, run around, get back in your picture and then, you know, make, make a pose. Out time. Um, and this one's big. Somebody figured out how to show the iOS multitasking on iPads. Oh, cool. So it's not, it's obviously not finished. There's no like fancy transitions or anything like that, but you can do multiple aspect ratios. This is the leaked video. This is the leaked video. How, how official do you think it is? Uh, I think it's in the OS, but I don't think that it's something we're going to see in iOS eight. So, wow, that's, that's code. That's really early code. Then. Yeah. Somebody, somebody left something in that they probably shouldn't have, or maybe oh. who knows, maybe Apple meant for this to happen, but you should, if you want to see how it works, you should watch the video. It's interesting only in that I think it, it paves the way for multiple aspect ratios and resolutions for iOS devices. So how, how did stuff look in different aspect ratios? Um, it like, depends on what you were looking at. Like some of it shrunk down to a column. Like, you know, you think about how your mail, mail default mail client in, in iOS would imagine if it shrank from an iPad kind of two pane, you know, list of messages slash uh, message landscape view if you shrunk it over, it would first go to just the message and then go to the list of messages almost, and then look almost like, like it does on the iPhone. Um, it's, it's, you know, I just who, got sucked into revoking access to everything. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that'll happen. Yeah. Um, sorry if, no, never. Um, I revoke that every once in a while. Just let it know that I'm still in charge. Um, Honeywell rolled out a nest competitor this week. Yes. This is so Honeywell, has a bunch of patents about thermostats. And when Nest launched their first product or shortly after, I think they sued because they have a, a broad application patent for something that's really vague, like yeah, and Nest changing like, no. the thermostat over time. <laughs> right. Is it kind of like a patent for taking photos in front of a white background? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. I yeah. That. I like that. Yeah. So now they're, they're kind of stepping it up and, and working with Apple uh, for the new home kit stuff. Mm. Um, and so there's this new thermostat um, or si- system of thermostats in the, in the future. Lyric yeah. is the name of the product. And um, it's uh, surprisingly, the, it's actually more expensive than nest. 
Great. Um, which is, I found that to be a really weird thing because it's only like $30 more. I'm like, to me, I would have positioned Nest as being like the expensive thing you don't need that's maybe a little too fancy. And Honeywell already having this really strong existing user base because they've just been around for so long and have been associated with thermostats for so many years to be like, huh. okay, we're the everyman version of this thermostat. It's a little bit cheaper. It's oh. just as good. And we're going to work with all your iOS but, stuff. But they're the market leader. They don't want to be the value play. Mm. They want to be the, they're the premium brand. And Nest isn't the value play either. No, no. Nest is crazy. I didn't realize how, like when Nest came out, I was like, that seems like a reasonable price That's for a thermostat. Expensive. But then I went and actually looked at what thermostats cost. And it turns out the one with the just the knob on it that yeah. isn't smart is $32 or something. Right. So Yeah. I think yeah. Con- when people are building houses and stuff, they want to lower that cost. And I, I think that in terms of that market, it's either cheapest well, that works or you're going to, you're paying for the Or you premium. think of it as an investment because at the same time, things like Nest have the ability to save you money for, you know, not, not heating your home when you're not there and, yeah. and for, you know, really managing some of that stuff in a way that most people don't think to do when they're just, you know, have a typical thermostat. I think when early adopters pay premiums for cutting edge products, there's a psychological um, resistance to old existing companies and the, the mm-hmm. belief that they can innovate. Um, and people are more likely to, to buy into new brands because they think it's smart thinking. Okay. I, I see all sides. Yeah. I, I, I question like, what Nest did is one of those things that's seemingly like I, I've had a Nest in my house for the last six months or so. Same. And like it, when I, when I, before I started using it, I was like, this is a, this is a relatively simple thing that these guys just did well. And that's neat. Great. Good on them. And good then design, as I works well, yeah, yeah, whole deal. But as I've used it and I've watched how it actually builds that schedule based on, you know, my family has a very complex schedule. I, my wife is at home several days a week, goes out several days a week. And, you know, I, we get up at weird times all the time because I don't come to work at a specific time. I mean, I come to work in a window, not Mm -hmm. at eight o'clock and it's built a really accurate schedule so that it always turns on and makes the house warm 10 minutes before I get out of bed, which is like, that's magic. It's amazing. Um, when I don't, when I get out of bed anytime between six 30 and say eight 15, depending on what day of the week it is. Yeah. But I think, you know, I think they're going to do well with, especially with the home kit stuff, because I think the companies that, that people that are partnering with Apple and, and using the home kit, um, connectivity stuff is, is people are going to buy into those because they, they work with their iOS stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, kind of a leading factor too. Well, and now that uh, Nest is part of Google, and the war between Google and Apple continues unabated. Who knows if Would Nest you say is going to get heating up? Mm. <laughs> do you think these companies do a good job, or need to do a better job Deal of education? That was, that was, that was, that was <laughs> educating homeowners about the other noise. parts of that ecosystem that could be improved. Like if you're buying Nest, and the point is to be more heat efficient or to, you know, it, to save money, you can do a lot of that by being smart about your insulation and being smart about the actual infrastructure of your house. I'm going to go ahead and tell you when I put more insulation in my roof, I don't look at that every day. I walk by that nest every time. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that, that I'm thing's doing like, something that's, good. That's pretty shiny, cool. Shiny, shiny screen. It lights oh, up. Oh my God. And it's, it's pulsing. It's all, it lights up as you walk by and it's like, Oh, hi, would you like me to adjust the climate in your home? I can do that. No, that's cool. I'll turn off. It's shiny. 
Yeah. Yeah. It is a very pretty device. It is. I wish it was, I wish it was a little more flush. And we're in the Bay Area where no one is AC, so we're only using half of its potential. That's true. That's true. It's all heat. Yeah. You know, that fan, we have one room in the house that just gets no ventilation at all because there's no windows. Fan's pretty nice. Fans are great. Fan's pretty good. Yep. Um, Netflix and Verizon have been squabbling. Uh, they had a problem coming to a peering agreement again. I guess Comcast had the peering agreement problem last. Um, what that means is that at the upstream level of the internet, they didn't want to sh- connect over the fast pipes. They wanted to connect over however they could get here and end up meaning the upshot is if you were a Verizon customer for DSL or for your super fast Fios connection, your Netflix streams sucked. Yeah. Which sucks. And they were telling us that. Yeah. The, the, the thing that, that changed. It. Yeah. Is that instead of just having a shitty experience for the users, they said, hey, uh, your shitty experience is because your ISP isn't yeah, connecting it, it's to us. It's not us. It's them. Yeah. We're not it's, paying. You know. So they narked, them. basically. They Little tattletales. Verizon said, hey, le- legally speaking, hey, stop doing this. You can't prove that it's us. It could be you. Maybe <laughs> like, actually, you're delivering traffic poorly. We can, we can prove it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they... And they, but they said, but you know what? We're going to stop doing this on the 16th of June anyway. Um, and that's kind of where it's at right now. Yeah. It's, it's just fun to watch the for Netflix because Verizon has this massive, huge business and Netflix gets $8 a month from everybody. And the telecoms don't understand that no matter how in the wrong Netflix is on this, the company that pays a hundred, if, if it seems to the customer, like the company that they're paying a hundred or $150 a month for services to is screwing over the company that they're paying $8 a month to, they're probably going to side with Mr. $8. And also they're getting a tangible effect from, from that being screwed over. Yeah. They're like, this is the thing I want is to watch Arrested Development right now. And the thing that is happening is that I am not able to do that. Right. And it's your fucking fault. Right. Die. And yeah, I'm pissed now. Yeah. So it's like an extra. Did I? I tweeted yesterday. No, I posted on Facebook. Um, I was in a coffee shop, and I was just sitting there doing some work, and there was an, an older couple next to me, and uh, they'd been chatting back and forth about doing touristy stuff or something. I forget what they were talking about. And all of a sudden, they get up to leave, and the woman goes, "Okay, time to go do battle with Comcast." Wow. And I was like, that sounds awesome. You need a sword when you say that. That is rad. Charge, charge out of here and beat some executives But up. the fact that, you know, people, we have this very aggressive mindset towards our ISPs and our cable providers now because we're, you know, all we get is grief. Even though sometimes, most of the time, most of our stuff is working fine. When it doesn't work, it doesn't work so catastrophically and in ways that make us so angry because it's, you know, we're not getting our internet. We're not receiving our email. We can't do our work or we can't watch the stuff we want to watch. It's like this immediate effect of just insta rage. And then they don't do much to make that, to alleviate well, that very quickly. So the thing that's changed is that say 10 years ago when you called with an internet problem, mm-hmm. then they'd be like, well, okay, great. We'll send somebody out. It'll be two weeks. That has changed, thankfully. So now at least typically we're much more impatient. Somebody comes the next day and they'll like they'll tomorrow between 10 AM and four. But that is an unfortunate window that like yeah. that 10 AM to four window is the, we like your business, but we don't really like it that much. And also we know you don't have any alternatives. Um, one of now, there's, there's also other reasons for that. I mean, I don't care. I mean, okay. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I think it's psychological warfare. Uh, yeah. I don't care I don't what the reasons arbitrary. are. You think it's just hire more workers, hire hire more people? I, I think I think either figure out a way to fix it remotely with people in call centers or hire more people on the on the ground. Oh, or, and call centers—that's a barrel of laughs. I don't think call centers is the solution. 
I spent some, well, I'm not going to talk about that. We don't even deal like when the first level of, of call center, I'm just like, we're at this point. We're like, put me on the phone with your manager. Zero, 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 zero. I've tried all the things you will tell me to try. Right. I've rebooted the router. Let's not waste everyone's time. Rebooted the, yeah. Kick Uh, it up a notch. You know, the secret on that, if you don't like call centers is the, is to pay the extra 20 bucks a month or whatever it is for business level service. And then you go directly to a local person who can usually like they'll, they'll Comcast business. Yeah. It's a huge improvement in the quality of service and it was worth the extra money. Also, they don't cap your usage. Yeah. So that was also pretty nice. Um, it is expensive. Um, the, uh, the, uh, speaking of ISPs and no competition in local areas and all that jazz, uh, the FCC is looking at limiting legislation by local and state governments that prevents broadband competition. So, um, right now in many places, I think Philadelphia was the first place I remember seeing this. The city wanted to put in municipal broadband. Oh, is it? We're talking about the fiber stuff. We're talking too? about the fiber, yeah, and yeah. and the unused fiber that right. that is, you know, like every day. If you walk, if you if in your neighborhood there is a box that has AT and T or Verizon or whoever your local ISP, your your DSL ISP typically is. There's a box. It has a power meter on it. It usually has an address because they have to have an address to get a power meter. That box has fiber coming to it. The one in my neighborhood is 125 feet from my house. Oh. So I'm looking at that and thinking that is infinite internet. Ah, I will so happily pay to bring a piece of fiber 125 feet from that box to my house. Like it doesn't matter if it's a one-time cost, I will pay for it. And then I want fiber. I just want faster internet. And so, but it's set up for usually for government use, right? And they don't, they don't let people out to use so it. So they let the local governments use it, but there's no, because there's, Virtually no competition. Mm-hmm. So what AT&T does is they do uh, U-verse, which as I understand it is fiber to the local node. And then you have what is essentially a pretty fast DSL connection because, you know, DSL speeds degrade the further you are from the, from the, from the endpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, so by moving that endpoint into the local box in your neighborhood, you get a much better, much better throughput. Um, the, the, it's bad. Like that whole like th- that whole you end up paying a lot of money for like a 24 megabit connection, which Comcast can give you admittedly shared with all your neighbors for, a, you know, that's their base level thing for the most part. Um, this competition stuff is basically the federal government saying, look, local governments aren't allowed to make to to determine that these businesses are allowed to have monopolies on existing infrastructure that for the most part, you know, the cable cable lines come in on poles that the state manages or state utilities manage. So why are, why are, why are the taxpayers paying the cost for this Mm -hmm. and then not able to get last mile choice? So we may be moving toward a world where there is last mile choice in the same way that we get last mile choice on power, where we can buy, we can buy power, at least in California from other utilities other than PG and E that have wind, hydro, solar, whatever other mix of power. If we don't want to pay, we pay more to get better service or service that differs in some important way. Yeah. So infinite internet is coming. I want infinite internet. I want Eventually. all of it. Eventually. I'm going to be 50 by the time it happens. Oh, maybe not. It's not that far away. You are pretty old. I am pretty old. <laughs> um, Amazon prime music streaming launched. I think today, maybe last night today. Yeah. Super late last night. Oh, um, whatever. Well, super early late last morning. night is today. Super early this morning. Early this yeah, morning. super early this morning. Yeah. I think it wasn't on purpose. Hey guys, it's included with Prime. Yeah. yeah. You already have it. 
you're already subscribing. But apparently it's not very good. There's not, not that much music. There's no Universal Music Group. Yeah. So they didn't make no deals UMG. with all the uh, all the labels. Mm-hmm. And even with the labels they did, they don't have some of the latest hits. Can I get Lord? Lordy? You can probably download it, but you can't stream it. I think that's kind of what the situation is. Um, well, it's, it's a streaming service with no ads. But I, I think you can. I think isn't it the opposite? No, I think I think it's you. You are allowed to buy the tracks like through regular Amazon. Oh right. Music oh yeah, yeah. You can always buy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But right. You right. can't. Right. You won't be able right. to stream them. Yes. You don't stream them for free. Yes. Correct. So I think the store that they've had for buying music, like iTunes competitor wise, yeah. has always been around. And this is a good Ow. iTunes downloads play. I mean, iTunes downloads have gone down. Your at least this past year gone down very slightly. That's why Apple's moving into Beats music and streaming, and Amazon. Once you get in on that, they have over 20 million Prime subscribers. Mm-hmm. I believe the vast majority of which subscribe, of who subscribe for free two-day shipping. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. And that's the Trojan horse to get you to pay what was previously $80 a month, now $100 a month for Prime movies and now Prime music. I, I you know, I need to use more of the media stuff because yeah, I, I pay the money. I love exactly. Prime. And that's, that's their trick. The Prime ins- movies was a joke. When it first launched and just like prime music is a joke now, but prime movies is they've made good deals. They've got some exclusives and they want it over time. People evaluate, Hey, I'm paying a hundred bucks a month. If they raise the price of prime to $120 a month. Oh, you know what? Now I'm getting a good movie service. I'll pay that too. And the movie service is actually quite good now. Like the, like the, when paired with Netflix at $8 a month or $9 a month, or whatever it is they charge now, like you, you get a massive selection of stuff to watch. Um, and it's on like, they have players for all the devices that I'm using. So it's, it's on a ton of different devices. You can always stream from your tablet or phone or whatever. I think there's some, potentially some anti-competitive, um, practices going on eventually because they better advertise prime or maybe split it up because what you're paying for, what people think they're paying for is the free two day shipping, but what they're paying for and they're paying increasingly over time, at least if the trend happens more money for is something that they might not have originally wanted. Oh, how many how many of the streaming services do you guys subscribe to? I do um, RDO. Okay. I pay money for RDO. Um, I do not use Spotify. Okay. Do you pay for the RDO offline? Uh, yes. Okay. So you yeah. pay the $10 the a month family, or whatever We have it is. the family okay. plan for like 15 Yeah. And it's like, I, I've done the same thing for ages. It's really nice. We can play music. Yeah, and it works RDO. on my Sonos stuff, whatever. It's totally. all good. Um, and so this is their way to get to that because yeah. they will have an app that you can play offline. And if I'm already getting it, if I'm Why, paying pay for 15? It. Why pay somebody else? Yes. So, uh, you know, having the friends lists and the playlists, I mean, if they can improve upon that in some way, you know, that would be something I considered. Um, I really liked Beats, uh, the Beats streaming service yeah. when I tested it out. Um, and I didn't end up paying for it because I am paying for RDO already. Um, but I, I thought some of the stuff that they were doing with playlist building and, and curation and stuff was really neat. And the fact that you can get Rolling Stone or Pitchfork or whoever you want to make playlists yeah. for you is kind of cool. Did you, if they had a family plan, we would have probably switched. To, to Beats? To Beats, yeah. Hmm. But no family plan. Um, what about videos? Like, so everybody has Amazon. Everybody has Netflix. Yep. What about like Hulu Plus and... I pay for Hulu Plus. Okay. I do. Um, for... So very I mean, we have reasons. we have Hulu Plus too. I'm very angry. Stuff. I'm super angry that they still make me watch ads. Like that is still something that to what this is, day it's like six dollars a month or something, right? It's like five. Yeah. Yeah. Or something. I'm, yeah. Okay. I'm paying for it. I shouldn't have to watch ads. You're paying for the ability to watch it anywhere. I you don't want. care. I know. I know. I know. I. I that's why I don't pay. Makes for me Hulu mad either. every time. And people have given me really thought out, reasoned arguments why the ads are there, and I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I don't want to watch them. Here's the thing. Sometimes I just wish the ads were better. Yeah. 
Well, are they not all the same? I would pay more to not watch ads. Like yes. $5 a month is, I think, a fair price for what you get. I would be happy to pay 10 if I use that a lot to never see an ad. Oh, but I'm a so desirable mad. ad customer. I'm a 18 to 39 year old male. <laughs> I guess they can't, they just can't, they can't quit me. Yeah. So we, we do the Netflix, we do the, all those. Yeah. yeah. I watch, I probably watch the most on HBO go, even though I'm not really paying an extra for that. Right. Cause I just have HBO. HBO goes great. That's like, the reason I haven't really cut the cord yet. That in baseball. I really wish that there was a TV, some device, whether it's Apple TV, Roku, um, Amazon fire TV, Xbox, PS4, whatever that gave me that knew what I was subscribed to mm-hmm. knew that I have HBO go knew that I have Amazon knew that I have, uh, um, Netflix know that I have Hulu and unified those lists. So instead of playing menu hero in four different apps, mm-hmm. I could play menu hero in one app. That's what Roku wants to do. They're not they doing it very well. Tap into all the, the well, they do it with search. Is. That's what they do in search, but they don't do it with browse. Like, like sometimes you just want to kind of flip, channels and see what's on well the, the whole idea of a channel system and it, it's based on the old model spectrum was channel two three four you know whatever mm-hmm. and that model just the list does not work anymore but people like still like the list they like well people yeah. like to troll hit and guide and seeing here's you know fox nbc oh, man, judge ABC. judy's on <laughs> oh wait i can watch a, a 48 hour marathon of law and order svu a lot of that's because we want that shared experience we want to know that our channel two is the same channel two as across town and maybe across the country yeah. our ESPNs are the same. And also because the way we think the way our brains work is spatially based. I really want Xbox to get on all this stuff. I'd be happy if Xbox was my one-stop media shop. Yeah. The new machine's quiet enough that it like, I would leave it. I'm happy to, it's a little power hungry, but I'm happy mm-hmm. to leave it running. Apple has a huge opportunity. They've whiffed over and over again. Um, we have a couple more small things we're going to blast through really fast. Um, Starbucks is installing power mat chargers nationwide. <laughs> um, nothing uses power mat. No, like that is a win for the, that salesperson on. This power is like mat. win like, how from like they, power mat from like three years how ago. How they do like, it? How did they? I feel like that deal has been happening since then, and they just finally got around to oh doing my it. God. Yeah. Hey, Norm. Like, oh yeah, power mat. Norm, let's. I'm going to be the Starbucks. I'm going to be the power mat guy, and you be the Starbucks guy. Okay. Ring, ring. Uh, Starbucks and Love with Lounge. <laughs> nice. Um, I, uh, we have a whole lot of money and would like you to put your, our dumb hardware in all of your stores. How much would it take? $1 billion. Done. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how that do went down. Do you think down. they're paying, do you think PowerMat is paying Starbucks? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's not like yeah. outlets. Cause there's cost. Somebody has to go to those stores, mm, cut the hole them. in the table, put the thing in. Unless the person was really good at selling Starbucks an idea that it was a value. At, it's, it's, there's value. Read, Starbucks is smart. Yeah. As an in, as a as a retail, they spend that money. You know what they should spend that money on? Updating their stupid stores because they look like they're from the '90s. No, the stores have been updated. Really? In San yeah. Francisco, they're getting where everyone is different. Like really? the West Portal one looks super new. Everyone, all, all, I've been to. Starbucks here, uh, close to our office. I guess I just don't it's, go to enough Starbucks. Starby? Star, I, I think Starbucks whoever they hire retail is really taking this model of like designing the store for that location. Uh, it's all like, you know, the rustic wood, Ugh. driftwood aesthetic. Okay. Well. Yeah. I read a funny article where they were discussing the etiquette of who gets to use the power mats now. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just saying good answer like, but you know if you're there and you both have a power mat and like someone wants to put their phone to charge can you be like oh hey it's like electric car double etiquette. stack right can't you double stack oh the, is can there you? etiquette for electric cars yeah but are you not oh, supposed you to leave your this? you're not supposed to use the electric car space if you're not plugged in 
Oh well, that no, yeah, definitely that, not. That is not even a question. I mean, what, I use those all the time. What are you? Well, I don't have a plug on my car, but it's no, a good it's space. Like if you okay? So <laughs> this is this they're is right by the I've door. Heard. There's all sorts of priority levels. So if you're a hybrid, for example, yeah. you shouldn't yes. leave your car plug charging overnight because you have gas. But if you're an all electric car, like if you're a Leaf, you need that time to top off. This sounds like electric. Never, never knew about this. And if your car has been plugged in for a certain amount of time, so say my two electric cars are next to each other. If you have been uh, taking the plug that's available for those two spaces, if uh, people will unplug you and plug into their own car because they figured you've had enough time to charge and it's this whole back and oh, forth. Is this in like is this like in apartment lots or something? In like lots and public lots, in in garages. I expect this like to that. be a subplot in Silicon Valley number two. No, this dude. This two. is this is this is a Larry David issue. This is a curb yeah, story. Totally. The guy keeps unplugging my car so I caught his on fire or something. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, so like in, in the electric car world, like hybrids are are kind of like, all right, well you don't need to charge that long because you the have Chevy gas. That's a hybrid. Yeah. But like if you're a Leaf owner or a Tesla owner, for example, you're like, I need to charge because I don't have a backup and you're taking up the parking spot and also the plug and you don't need it because you're a hybrid. I only pay for the smallest battery on the Tesla. You're in a family that owns a Tesla, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. That bias. You are biased. I'm saying I'm I'm laughing at this whole issue. because I think it's hilarious that there's like this whole like. Like etiquette thing oh. growing up around this new technology that you know, well, we just need more plugs. Yeah, there needs to be more plugs. How, does, how does it feel to know that when you're touching that touchscreen, it's the same touchscreen that astronauts will be also be using like on the Dragon Two? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a little gift bag from uh, SpaceX the other day. Oh, got a little model model plane, model dragon, got a little model dragon. Wow. Got a little T-shirt. Got a little terraforming that's, Mars mug that the changes best colors ever. when you pour coffee into it. Jeez, I need to get in those. That wasn't had nothing to do with the Tesla. Oh. Yeah, we nothing need to get on that, that list. Totally, totally different. Yeah. Um, we just get stuff from the NSA occasionally. I don't know why. <laughs> Weird. Um, there's a smart cup. Smart cup. It's all caps. Things I just bought. Oh, did you buy the smart cup? As of 15 minutes ago. Does it tell you if somebody's oh, put poison in your buying. drink? Yes. How can, much was it? It's a company. Mark One is the name of the company. I think they are based in San Francisco. It's $100. Wow. Uh, it's the pre-order. They want to sell 5,000 of these things to make sure it happens. So they're basically running their own Kickstarter. But what does it do? It's called Vessel, which spelled cleverly. Oh, uh, no. Okay. Of course. Not, it's, not, it's a fancy product. Not cleverly. D- designed by uh, Yves Behar. Oh, so it's it's like much like the jam box. I have the soda stream that he uh, designed. <laughs> oh, I have one of those too. Do you Do use you? yours? Yeah, all the time, every day. Really, for club soda? Yeah, yeah, that's so what I use just it for. for. Just for sparkling it's like water. A, that's what I mean. Yeah. club soda spark, the same no, thing. No, it's not the same. Bubbles. Thing. It's, it's not a, are you taking fancy water and then carbonating? You're taking it from the tap and carbonating tap. it. Yeah, that's club soda. Really? Yeah. Uh, I might be thinking of tonic water that has like quinine in it. Tonic water is different. Well, tonic so water has calories. Club soda has club a taste soda to it. Club soda doesn't. No. It, well, it's bitter because well, of the carbon is, dioxide. Like, this is sparkling water. This that's is sparkling not club water. soda. That's not club soda. What's the difference? Sp- that's mineral water. It com- came from a place that has you know mineral rich water. Okay. I talked. Fancy I talked water. to Adam Rogers about cocktails and stuff a All lot right, this cool. week. Okay, gotcha. Um, I like him. He's smart. He's good. Yeah. Um, do you cup. ever make fancy? Do you ever make custom I sodas? Use, I, well, they gave me that sample pack. Nope. 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 Make your own syrup. <laughs> you can take like strawberries, boil them in sugar but water. You can't put it in the container first. You have to add it after. <laughs> Is that wrong? Like, what's going to happen? Is it right. explode? You know what's going to happen? You're not going to buy their bullshit stuff with their deadly chemicals. You're going to make your own hippie stuff. Okay. I talked to people in Portland about it. They are like, there's a whole Is scene. Is it going to gunk up the valve? Nope. Though? I've been doing it for two years, year okay. and a half. 
All right. Yeah. And me, nor is Scarlett Johansson going to come over to your house and beat you up. That's good. Yeah. Because I am frightened. She's of her. scary. She's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Norm. That's all right. So you bought <laughs> a, a fancy cup. Yeah. It's a fancy cup. A vessel. What does it do? Uh, a truck. It can identify the type of beverage you have in it. And how, how does it do that? With sensors. Um, it can tell the sugar content, caloric, uh, estimate the oh, caloric content. How do you spell this? Uh, V-E-S-S-Y-L. Yes. Okay. It's a and, really uh, dumb name. And also uh, caffeine levels. And then, of course, it'll tie to an app. So um, this is, you can add this to your, like, fitness trackers and... Yes. and Food trackers. Yes, your life, lifestyle track. I'm yes. sure it will be health kit. Does it, oh, totally health does, kit. Does it do this by like comparing what it detect, what it can detect about the drink against some database? Or do you have to t- like I in think the app database. say, hey, I'm drinking a Coke. No, no, so you it don't, says it on the side. That's cute. So if you peed in the cup, it would say pee. Oh, really? Would it, it know says that? coffee. I don't know. if uh, I know what we're doing. As soon I know that database. Cup. I mean, that's why I bought it. So oh. we could test it with. Oh, know, that's exciting. Soylent. I want to help with that. Pee. All sorts of stuff. I help with that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to sure. pee in the cup. That's no, no, not no, what that's I'm fine. saying. All right. Uh, you bring a variety of beverages yeah. and guess the beverage. Right. We have this. Test the smart, test the, test the smart cup. We have the juicer. I we just, can juice I just anything. I myself. <laughs> bring, bring it over. Come up, bring it on. I have a juicer too, yeah. Which is, you get the. The, the Omega. Yeah. Yeah. Wire blam. cutter. Yeah. Wire cutter is great. I know. I buy all the things from wire cutter. Yeah, it's expensive. Um, <laughs> HP is building a, a brand new architecture for servers. Now, if you've been listening to podcasts with Norm and me for a long time, we talked about memristors way back in like 2007 or 2008, which is um, the memristor is, is another fundamental form of circuit for um, computing in the same way that the transistor is a fundamental form of circuit for computing. As I recall, memristors are like memory cells that store status even when there's not power involved. They're very, very fast compared to, say, the type of memory that's in RAM. Um, And as a result, HP has said, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're a big company. We have the ability to build new architectures, even though we stopped doing that 20 years ago. And there's this new thing called the memristor that we finally figured out how to actually make in quantity um, and, and a, a, a process size that is feasible for computers. And also there's this other stuff called uh, silicon photonics, um, which is basically like fiber optics, but mm-hmm. instead printed on the circuit level level. So instead of like using a jack that you plug into the back of your computer into a network card, you, they can actually put silicon on a board. And maybe even inside chips. I didn't get that far into the article because we ran out of time. Um, But they're building a a new kind of server. And the thing that they're promising is that basically they'll be able to put storage and speed because this memory-based technology gives you very, very, very fast, low-latency access to a massive amount of storage. They can build processors that kind of work without the typical... Um, RAM hierarchy or storage hierarchy Mm -hmm. that starts with like L1 cache that's basically tiny amount of memory based jammed into the CPU L2 cache, which is a little bit more memory that's outside the CPU, but it's also a lot slower Ram, which is even slower than that, but much, much bigger all the way down to like physical spinning hard disks. Uh, Instead, you'll be able to put a massive amount of storage that the CPU has immediate access to and thus move the bottleneck completely away from memory bandwidth, which is where one of our big bottlenecks has been for, you know, 50 years into all new bottleneck territories. So they call it the machine and they think it might be out next year for servers. Sounds pretty badass. It has all new OSs. They're doing like Linux stuff and all like Scarlett Johansson. Pretty much. Yeah. It's the black widow of servers. Yeah, cool. Yeah, they can take that. Um, Lytro opened its file format. They're partnering with 500 pixels PX. 
500 what is it i think 500, 500 pixels. pixels okay yeah i say 500 pixels but okay i've never said it out loud before me neither yeah so yeah uh norm is this a big deal I don't have not used a new Nitro camera. Have you used a new Nitro camera? I haven't either, but I think it's a big deal because you'll be able to um, like see have the, the ha- actually see the, <laughs> yeah. the way they're intended oh, right. to be seen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, instead of just having a flat image, and it'll be you'll be able to change see the focus changes. Yeah. Maybe. And theoretically, if the if the file format's open, then other companies ranging from like somebody huge like Adobe all the way down to people who make apps and stuff can then well, you'd be able to manipulate, manipulate yeah, the pictures and definitely. build tools to use them and so stuff. Like Instagram so. could install, you know, use their oh, API cool. for the image format and then you could do cool stuff with it. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Um, and there's a new form one printer form one are the, the Silicon SLA, SLA, SLI, a, a. What is this? Something lithography, a, I can't remember. I'm just going to call it SLA. Keep okay. It simple. That's good. It's a 3d <laughs> printer that uses the laser curing. Uh, high precision laser curing with goop, um, with goop through a. And you can't really see it being printed the same way you can with a extrusion based printer because it's behind the shielded glass. But it's uh, nice. Uh, same price as the old one. It's called the Form One Plus, and people who have the old one can uh, swap out and get the upgrades by paying eight hundred bucks. So um, will they send like a like an upgrade yeah, package? You just yeah. take some old pieces off and put new ones on. I think you have to send your kit in. What's it's faster? It's is that the faster? Is the resolution the laser better? is stronger now? It's just a stronger laser that cures faster. Okay, so that's why it's fa- it's faster because the laser is stronger. Yes. That's interesting. Um, I think that's it for news. Unless anybody else has anything they want to add. No, I'm going to play some music and then we'll talk about what we've been testing. Hey, Norman Chen. Mm-hmm. What have you been testing? Uh, I have been testing uh, one, a Pebble. Pebble. Pebble smartwatch. I've been testing a Pebble smartwatch as well. Nice, nice fancy um, wristband. Yeah, this is the, the, the leather is the one, one. Is that the one it comes with? Comes with. Oh. Yes. I like the leather one. Will has his... Uh, I put the metal one on. The yeah, I like, one. The, I like the metal one better. Really? Yeah. It's funny. I don't like metal wristbands. Oh, you don't like metal. You don't like touching metal. No, there's someone else in like... A no, Jeremy doesn't, doesn't like touching touch metal, metal also, but you got a real weird rash after that handcuff incident. You got a rash? After the handcuff incident? Yeah, the Lego handcuff thing. He's like, <laughs> I don't remember, and that makes me even more frightened. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah you know, that handcuff incident. Uh, we both have the silver face, and there's also one that's a matte black, the gunmetal face. So yeah. that mm-hmm. one might be better with the, the, the leather strap. Um, I like it a lot. I, I, I've... I was super pleasantly surprised like by how useful it is. I really want to try the Ringley. What's the, oh, the Ringley is the the ring. Yeah. Yeah. But that is, what does it tell you? It tells you when you're getting messages. Um, so it comes with an app that's color coded so you can set the different colors to mean different things. Okay. So like if I'm getting a text from, from you guys, it could show up as as a green. Okay. Um, and so it just is supposed to be like a passive alert system for. It's kind of like the mood, or- mood orbs yeah. that used to be back. Remember those in the early oh, thousands? What was it? The ambient orb. Ambient orb. Like I have one of those tag. still. Oh, what? the Nabaz tag. Yeah. The rabbit the with bunny. the ears. Yes. The oh, we have one of those too. I have one of those like right somewhere there. The second generation. I loved those so I thought it was much. really neat. It's just a closed loved system. Loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It the, didn't work very well. So the idea with the ring is that. I mean, when my wife saw this pebble steel, she was like, that's amazing. If only it wasn't an enormous, big, dumb looking watch that well, guys so would wear. For example, wear. if I was an important business lunch, for example, yes. and I, I had a, usually you would have your phone out on the table. And so things would be popping up at you and kind of distracting you unless you flipped it over or did the really polite thing and keep it in your bag. Yeah. Um, but if I had the ring on, like, say I had it set, like if my mom calls it, it, it shines blue. 
Um, I would say, oh, you know, I'm waiting for an important call from my mom. Like I have to go take this. Yeah. Uh, but excuse without me. having, yeah, excuse me for a second. Yeah. Um, so it's supposed to be like, you, you know what kind of information is coming in, but without it being extremely, although I guess a, a light up ring is, is kind of distracting. It, like I'd much rather have a vibrate, like a, just a little tiny, I mean, cause the thing that you realize mm-hmm. having the vibrating watch on your wrist is that your arm is much more sensitive than say your jeans pocket area to vibration. Yeah. I never feel my phone buzzing. Neither do pocket. I. And I mean, you don't get I'm not wearing buzz? like giant cargo jeans or anything like they're, they're pretty, you know, it, it fits in there pretty well, but I miss calls all the time. Yeah. It drives everyone crazy. I get the opposite. Really? You get, phantom, like, buzz? I, phantom buzz. Where, That's a real thing where it's it buzzing. It's thing. like, Oh no, the phone's actually out here, but I thought it was vibrating there. Yeah. I just thought I was a crazy person that needed more constant no, feedback totally about how real. awesome I am. So the way all these things work is that they're extensions of notifications yes. or your start sc- or your, uh, your lock screen. Mm-hmm. So things that you would normally access your phone your smartphone, which does everything at a glance, pulling down notifications or or um, or glancing at the start screen for like time, for example, mm-hmm. for example, it is the first world. It's the first world well, features kind of. But the, the thing that I find the thing that I found as a result of this is that I want much more granular control over notifications than either iOS or Android really give me. Like I want to be able to say in an email client, here are the five people who I want to get notified when they send me an email. And everyone else just gets in the queue and I'll check when I see. You can kind of do that with VIP lists and Apple Mail, but but most of the other like Gmail, the Gmail apps and the and the boxers and the mailboxes and stuff like that don't give you that level of granularity. Yeah. And and like it's a real tough trade-off for me on iOS with mail, especially, is mm-hmm. do I take the less functional iOS mail app? Or do I take the more functional thing that doesn't notify properly or do some weird hybrid of the two? Yeah, I had that same problem with email because I use um, Mailbox. Yeah. And I, so I can't turn off notifications for, I, I think it just shows you, if you have notifications on, you get the information for all the mailboxes. All and my bacon account is just like off the charts sometimes. Yeah. Too, just too much mail. Um, and so I just turned everything off because well, it was driving. Bacon account? Yeah. Bacon. B-A-C-N. What's a bacon account? Oh my God. It's like, it's spam you want. Oh, so like all of your mailing list stuff or, or, you uh, know, social media notifications or anything like that. It's not spam. Yeah. It's bacon. I don't, I just turned all that stuff off. I, Isn't that I the no social tab on? It's essentially the new on the, on social the, tab. Okay. Yeah. So I used to make You had a, a dummy account filters. basically. No, it's not my dummy account. It's my, my early sound account that I use. I'm okay saying it because I use it for everything. Okay. It's my Google plus account. It's my, you know, drive account, all that stuff. But it's also the email address I use for signing up for sites and for mailing lists and things Got like it. that. So I keep that siloed. Oh, th- this away isn't from a service. My, this is just lingo. It's a, yeah. 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 No, well, this, no, no, no. It's, is just, it's what, just what people call it's just nerd lingo. Yeah. So I use, <laughs> see, it's funny because it's possible that me and Patrick bacon. Norton are the only people who have ever called it. Occasionally we have, well, no, it's weird. There's a Wikipedia page. Oh, there is BACN. BACN. And is it as, as described? As described is email that's been subscribed to and is therefore solicited, mm-hmm. but is not often read by the recipient. Well, yeah. it's funny because like when you work with somebody for a long time, you develop kind of an internal dialogue yeah. that, that where you just say one word and that fills in a massive amount of back backlog for the other person. It's always fun to hear like other people. And that is what I just did. Yes, and then I was like surprised did. that I had to explain it. No, 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 it. it's good. <laughs> um, like, what? So I use SaneBox for that. Like Sanebox is a service that you give access to your Gmail or whatever email accounts. And then they look at who you respond yeah. to and which emails you open quickly after they come in, which ones you don't. And it filters stuff into that was almost bad. I use unroll.me. Oh, I've not tried that. It doesn't, it doesn't sound as smart as what you're describing. So this is mine is smart in a, 
but it's occasionally super dumb. Okay. Um, but it knows that like, if I get an email from Norm or from Adam or from Gina, then I usually look at that pretty quickly and respond mm-hmm. to it. So it, those guys stay in the main box and then everybody else gets dumped off into a come look at me later folder. Oh yeah. I wouldn't like that. Well, it's, it, it's actually really good. Cause you, I just find that I look at it like twice a day rather than 400 times a day. And I don't get notifications for stuff that doesn't pop up in the main, in the main window. Yeah. It's, it's, okay. it's took a little bit of adjusting, but I, I'm okay with it. Like I'm pretty, pretty happy with the way it works now. Yeah. Um, that would I, make sense if you had one main email address. Well, it does it for all your emails. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of siloing. No, no, no. Cause it goes in the same folder. So the, this is actually, this is why I'm using Boxer is cause it lets me aggregate one folder. And now on you're the using client. another app to recombine no, all no, of these things. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, it lets me see the later folder okay. on all my accounts, just like a unified inbox does on okay. the iOS mail app. All right. Um, Interesting. Sorry, and then I also have 15 other services that make that make more. No, no. Okay. Yeah. Um, Email man. So notifications. I want more granularity and notifications though. I want, I want, you know, I want to have a, a really low high level of control over what's allowed to make my phone buzz. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a video about pizza stuff earlier this week. Norm. <laughs> yes. Pizza steals and stones Stones and making pizza at home. And yes. You, I'm going to watch that. Do you make pizza at home? I do. Do you use a stone I or don't. do you use a, a, a mesh pan? Uh, I have a mesh pan. Okay. Um, yes, I have used that. I've also just used a baking sheet. Um, I've used a few different methods. Are you happy with your results? So far, yeah. Okay. Pretty well. Um, but I've, I have I just don't want to throw money into a pizza stone because I just don't have any place to put it. So I just leave mine in the oven. That's okay. that's one of the things people say. is, And it's a thing I learned from either America's Test Kitchen or Alton Brown years ago is that if you put a stone in the oven, it helps even a crappy oven that heats yes. unevenly give you a more even heat throughout yes. the thing. Just because more that. mass in there is good. Um, but you should watch the video. If you're interested in making pizza at home, people asked for it for ages because we were talking about the baking steel, which is a kind of fancier version of the stone um, and holds more heat because it's a lot massier than, mm-hmm. than the stone is. Um, but we we were making like pizza with crazy blackened awesome crusts sad, and all that stuff. Sad, I did not know you guys were doing that. Oh no, we, we come um, over for pizza sometime. I want to come over for pizza. Yeah, we, 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 <laughs> it it has um it became a part of our regular routine, and it's I mean it's fun. Making pizza is fun. That's yeah, the takeaway. It so. is. It is really easy too, and and much easier than most people think it is. And you can just find stuff in your fridge and make pizza out of it. That is a really dangerous way to live. But yes, <laughs> um. Norm, you shouldn't find, I've seen your fridge. You shouldn't find stuff in your fridge. (laughs) Um, Welding. I learned how to weld this week or taught myself how to weld this week. Um, Everyone, many people I've known for a long time, like Patrick, I was like, yeah, you can weld. It's no problem. He's right. It's really easy. Hot glue gun. Hot glue gun for metal. Mm -hmm. Like there's some real basic stuff about where grounds go and not electrocuting yourself and not going blind. But aside from that, yeah, the not going blind thing is important. <laughs> well, but but the thing I didn't realize is that the modern welding face shield thing. Yeah. Well, also you can get sunburn from welding. I didn't realize that. Oh. Like it produces a lot of UV light, the arc, and mm. so you wear like long sleeves and gloves and the whole thing and the thing that covers your neck. Um, but the modern face shields are like really heavy tinted sunglasses, and then as soon as the arc fires. They blacken before before the light gets t- through to you. Wow! Um, so you you 
like you can see and you don't have to like in the old days, I think people had to line up all their stuff and then pull the glasses down. Now you just leave it on all the time. And you can see through it. And what did you weld? Uh, I practiced welding, but I'm building a desk. So I'm building a desk. It has a wooden top that's almost done. And then it has this metal frame uh, that's all cantilevered and awesome. I, took I hope a, I took a soldering refresher course at tech shop. Oh, that's uh, fun. Within the last few months, just because I wanted to, you know, I had done it um, in high school tons. Yeah. Um, and then I had done it occasionally throughout the years for projects we were doing for Texilla, but I just wanted to make sure like, like, uh, Ryan hadn't done it in a long time either. And so we just thought it would be fun to go to tech shop and take a class mm-hmm. and it was great. Well, and I was better than him. And that's one of those things where you have, you have smaller hands. Not really. No, I have very large lady hands. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, he, <laughs> we've talked about this before. Yeah. Probably, we had an extended yeah. conversation. Yeah. He, uh, th- like soldering is one of those things that I learned like, well, I, like welding. I kind of listened to a bunch of people and then watched a couple of videos on the, U- on the internet and was like, okay, I feel like I can probably try this and m- figured it out. Um, soldering, I'd learned the same way. And as I've talked to people who are actually good at soldering versus people who are, you know, functional at mm-hmm. soldering, I bet you learn stuff that, that is incredibly useful like learning the right, sometimes there's, there's value to learning the yes. right way to do something. Actually, I was pretty impressed by how much I had retained from high school, like, like electronics class. Did they talk about like sur- surface mount and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Surface mount soldering where you have like a tube of paste that then you heat you and you squirt that on what you want to solder and then you heat the whole thing up no, or use a heat gun or something? Yeah, we didn't really talk about okay. that. Okay. Jeremy's deep into that now. It might be interesting to try. Yeah, it's fun. We did that. I did that when we were putting a heating pad on um uh the uh, heated uh, build plate on a 3d printer once because ah. you had to put on millions of little resistors to actually make the heat it was fun um and then the last thing is i, I bought a waterproof kindle case because i like to take baths yeah. and i like to read that's smart and i was tired of using a ziploc bag or just risking everything <laughs> and holding the keeping the dry hand that's what know, i did always the dry yeah. hand but there's always the fear like then it's a dry, dirty hand. Yeah. And there's always a fear you might nod off and you always have like the this is the super pruny hand and this is the not pruny hand. Yeah. Norm's really uncomfortable. No. How did it work? Uh, it makes it a lot bigger. So I bought the one. It's the one that just keeps popping up on my Kindle with offers as an offer. Hey, you, I see you like Kindles and you use this a lot. You might like a waterproof. And I can tell you're bathing right now. So you should probably <laughs> exactly. Into this. The camera lets me know that. Yeah. Um, it works really well. It makes it a lot bigger. I wish that it was kind of easier to get it on and off. Um, so it's an Incipio case. It's an Atlas case, I think is what okay. it's called. Uh, and it, it like in order to get it off, you have to use a, a nickel or something to kind of wedge a couple oh, of like pops that. off. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's um, on the case themselves. You don't have to make contact with the Kindle. No, thing. you don't have to touch the Kindle. The okay. Kindle's all like pr- protected in like a shock mount inside mm-hmm. the case. So it adds a fair amount of bulk. It's, it's about the same way to say like an iPad mini after you put the case on, which makes it significantly heavier. Um, how, uh, how much does it cost? I think it was 30 bucks or 40 bucks. So it was kind of expensive. Yeah. Like if I were going to the beach, if I were, if I were the kind of person who went to the beach a lot, as you can tell from my complexion, I, like I do. People in all the Kindle ads. Yeah. They're having fun. They're active. My cousin is in the Kindle ad. Really? Yeah. I don't know if you remember the, um, the, the, uh, t- the Kindle ads that are on the white background, they kind of look like the Apple ads. Yeah. And it's the guy and the girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy's my cousin. Oh, my first cousin. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, I always thought that, about Veronica. I always thought that those were just, um, you know, computer constructs. I didn't <laughs> think that they were real people. Um, funny story about that. Now, <laughs> your cousin's a computer. Yes. Um, I'm a computer. He passed the Turing test. Yes, yeah. very well. 
Uh, it's neat. I, if I were going to the beach a lot, I would totally take that with me so that I would feel better about not getting grit and other crap into my Kindle. But yeah. it's also a hundred dollar device. So kind of, eh, you know, you take your chances, you yeah. pay your money. Um, anything else? What, anything else you guys have been testing? You want to talk, do you want to, we should talk about books a little bit while you're here. Okay. Um, everybody always asks, uh, it's one of our questions. Actually, it's one of our questions. So I'm going to use it in the question segment. Let's see. Um, what do you want to talk about? Will's going to launch the question segment. Is there anything, oh, there's a thing. anything you've been testing you want to talk about? Did no. you take any gadgets or anything with you to, uh, All to China? Things. All I'll just, yeah. So what did you do with it when you're done to take it, donate to some school or something? Or um, is it in the next time we go to China <laughs> pile? I'm giving the laptop or I'm selling the laptop to one of my girlfriends okay. and uh, with the caveat that it has been in China and I cannot vouch for it. It's, uh, it's going to be wiped. It's going to be yeah. totally like run through the ringer. But who knows? But who knows? Could have BIOS level. Who knows? But uh, you know, so just to be clear, though, the burner laptop and your real laptop both were made in China. Yes. This is not its first. If you had taken your MacBook. I actually went to uh, Shenzhen. Okay. And, uh, and saw where some of the things happen. Really? I've totally left that. Did you out go to like the electronics discussion. market and all that stuff? Yeah, but we, we didn't go into it. We drove past it. We didn't have time. Okay. So we had to get back to oh, bummer. Um, but we went to Eagle and we went to a couple other factories mm-hmm. and places. We did not go to Foxconn. We drove by it. Um, but yeah, Eagle is one of the places that does uh, like Apple earbuds and, and things like wow. that. So it's pretty interesting to see. The iFixit guys. Does you take pictures inside? No. Oh. No, not at all. The, the iFixit guys always talk about like the electronics mart in Shenzhen it's, as like the most amazing place in the world. If you're like an electronics 18, nerd, 18 blocks long. Yeah, it is. And, and like four or five stories. Blocks. And so it is just as far yeah. as the eye can see. It's yeah. incredible. Um, all burners. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So I let's brought play. my Kindle with me. Oh, compromised. Didn't go on Wi-Fi now. Oh, you turned it off. It was yeah. in, it was Airplane, in offline mode. Yeah. The whole t- okay. This level of paranoia is something I, I appreciate. Um, I'm going to play some music and then we'll take some questions. Emails? Well, but we do the other one. Emails. It's, you know, we don't do emails. We do emails. No, 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 no. Questions. Boom. If you have a question for this is only a test, the email address is podcast at tested.com. Please keep your questions relatively short and uh, to the point. And if you record an audio question, make sure you don't sound like you're being run over by a herd of livestock. Uh, our first question comes from Jeff, who says, hey, tested folks. How about another summer reading show, but maybe early summer? I think he's talking about when we talked about reading, reading last reading books last summer and book recommendations. So I'm going to choose to believe that that's what this means. Um, and since, you know, you well established that you are host co-host. Oh yeah. Co-host, co-host you and yeah. Tom yeah, of uh, sword and laser. You can say host host. Okay, I don't I, I didn't want to, I want to step on anybody's <laughs> we toes. Equal hosts. We love Tom. Okay. Equal hosts. So it's co-host then. Yes. Okay. Of uh, sword and laser, which is a fantasy science fiction book podcast slash video series. Um, slash book publisher book now. Publisher of an- oh, yeah. right. Yes. Yeah, stories. The, the uh, short story anthology. Uh, is, is it out? Is it out? It is totally out. We just got oh, cool. in Kindle this week too. Awesome. Yeah. Um, anthology. So I figure it's a good time to talk about books. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I have been reading a lot of books this month because of all the travel. Um, probably the biggest book, both in terms of probably what I enjoyed the most and also it is the longest, mm-hmm. uh, would be The Lions of Alrasan uh, by Guy, Guy Gavriel Kay. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've read Tagana or any of his other no, books. No, no, no. Um, but he's a fantastic author. And this is kind of, it, it's a, it's, it's, it's high fantasy in many ways, but it's also kind of an alt history. Um, it's, it takes place in, in a uh, location similar to the Iberian Peninsula. 
Okay. Um, so there's people who are, you know, Spanish like there's people who are Muslim like, um, there are people who are Jewish like, and it, but it's really more of a romance. No Portuguese, I hope. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe perhaps. Um, and, uh, so it's, it's, it's a romance tale, uh, but the romance really comes second place, I think to, to this action political intrigue type tale. Um, so it's, yeah, we read it for the other book club show I do. Vaginal Fantasy. Vaginal Fantasy. Fantasy. Yeah, okay. Um, but it is, could have, would have fit in perfectly with Sword and Laser too, no problem. Um, so that was a really fantastic read. Cool. Um, I loved it. I just finished um, Shards of Honor, the first in the Verkosikan uh, saga uh, by Lois McMaster Bujold, um, who is, you know, she's a, she did Curse of Chalion. She's a fantasy author. She's a mm-hmm. sci-fi author. She's a multi-award winning author. And also a really lovely person. Um, so that series is great. There's tons of books in, in not only the Verkosigan uh, saga, but also... So this it's a shared universe, right? Yeah, there's a lot of shared yeah. universe stuff going on. Um, so I just finished that, and it was really fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I will probably continue on with that series. I also read Blackbirds uh, by Chuck Wendig. Oh, um, you on, I know like, Chuck actually. Wendig. You guys kind of look alike. It's beards, beards and glasses. We yeah. all look the same. <laughs> It's well known, well established. Um, he's great. Hold on, what else did he write? I've read stuff by him. Um, he's written a lot of books about how to write, um, but Blackbirds was is one of his biggest series. Okay, the, uh, Miriam Black series. Um, he just came out with a new one in that the third in that trilogy um, called Cormorant, um, and I think it's I think it's Blackbirds. I can't remember the middle one. Under the Empyrean Sky and Blue Blazes. No, not, I don't no. think it's the same series. Boy, I do look like him. <laughs> um norm's looking at you i can't see yeah um but that was good it's about a girl who can tell the manner and time of your death oh Ooh, the manner yeah so it's kind of like i don't know if you guys ever read the anthology um machines of death no um, i don't read it i so anthologies are one of those things that i i don't i don't generally read i like novella length is kind of the shortest i go gotcha so um, this is this is a series it's all short stories uh, and the premise being there is a machine and the machine will tell you how you will die. It won't necessarily, it can be a little vague. It can be like, you're going to die of drowning. And instead of dying in an ocean, so you may avoid oceans and lakes your entire life, yeah. but then you may actually get some kind of illness that causes your lungs to fill with fluid. Ah. So that you may still die of drowning, but it's is not the, the way you expect it. Not to worry. Yeah. Huh? Not to worry. Is that the lesson? Basically it's like, you just live your life. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause shit happens. Yeah. Um, and so that they've come out with two anthologies, machine of death and machine of death Two. Um, but so this one kind of reminded me this, this style kind of reminded me of that a little bit, but it's very fun, uh, very gory, very sweary. So if you like that kind of thing, Chuck Wendig is your man. Sounds good to me. Great writer. Um, and then I also read, and now I'm reading the second book in a, uh, the, um, Lady Trent series, uh, by Marie Brennan. It's they're written as memoirs of a, a female naturalist in an alt history. That's kind of like Victorian England Ooh. and she studies dragons. Oh, and so she she's travels a dragonologist. Around. Yeah. And so she's, a, she calls herself a natural historian. And so she travels around this world um, uh, and which is difficult for her because she's like a Victorian lady, um, or supposed to be, but she kind of battles against that, those ideals. Um, and she wants to, to, to learn, but she is also kept back by her status as a woman. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Have you, have you had a ch- have you gotten the new Pat Rothfuss book yet? Um, it's coming out this fall, I think. No, so it's, I have not. I'm not beta reading it. Uh, yeah. 
I'm so, I'm so, so, Not so excited. Yet. Yes, 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 yes. So excited about it. when when he said, "Hey, I have a mystery book that's coming out between the second and third book in the King Killer Chronicles." Chronicles. Yes. Chronicles. Chronicles. Yeah. Um, I was very excited. King Killer about Chronicle. King Killer. No, you're right. It's it's singular. singular. Yeah, King Chronicle. Very, one time, one time, I said the right. song of fire and ice. Oh, you oh were, no! People were really. That was even before the TV show. Um, you're right. I think it is. It might be plural. No, it's not. Chronicle. It's not. It's okay. Chronicle. Very good. Um, <laughs> I I just reread yesterday on the plane, basically, um, the Rob Apocalypse book by Daniel Daniel H Wilson, Daniel H Wilson, yeah. uh, which is which is like I think I read that when it came out. He mm-hmm. just released the sequel, came out a couple of days ago, Robo Genesis. Yeah. Um, and I was really pleasantly surprised by how kind of smart that that book is well, like, he's on the second reading. Smart. He you, is a smart dude. You guys interviewed him on Sword and Laser, right? Or um, for something else, maybe? We didn't. No, I interviewed him at, um, I was on a panel with him at Engadget Expand okay. a couple of years ago, and we had dinner um, as part of the panel, and he's just a really, really smart guy. We, I, I think we did have him on Sword and Laser. I, I, to this point, you've done remember. so many episodes that I know it's, you got to, yeah, so many authors. It is hard to keep track sometimes. It's, um, it's pretty fun. But, but so reading that book, it's about a robot apocalypse mm-hmm. and I think it came out two or three years ago, probably at this point. Um, but, but you know, it, it's about the machines basically rising up and taking over and it's, it's set in a, in a, what at the time seemed like a fairly distant future. And today seems like much nearer a future because it's about self-driving cars and smart cars and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and it's, it's quite frankly terrifying. I mean, it is, you look around, we don't have humanoid robots walking around helping us, helping us with our day-to-day lives, but you know, there are cars driving around by themselves that are completely outside of human control at this point. And you know, that's only going to get bigger as time progresses and, yeah. and become more of a thing. So it, it's interesting. I'm, I'm excited to read the sequel. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't read them yet. Uh, I feel bad too, because I've really <sighs> wanted to, I've just haven't had time. I read, read the Martian by Andy. Oh, Gale. the Martian's great. Super good. Um, it's yeah, that, that is, it was really intense. It wasn't at all what I was expecting coming in. I was mm-hmm. expecting some kind of a Kim Stanley Robinson kind of vibe, but it ha- it has a lot of that hard science, yeah, hard science, finished. science fiction. I it, just read Shaman. Were you Kim Stanley Robinson? I haven't read that. Yeah. Is it good. the weather one or is that a, another Mars no, book? That's, um, the, uh, the weather one is 2000 days, 200 days of 20, rain or something. Oh, and then there's 20, 20, Ah! Kim Stanley Robinson's the red prolific. Yeah. And, and has like three different universes that are constantly being added to. Um, were you pleased with the ending of the Martian? I wanted more. Yeah. I, I felt like it kind of, we got got to a point and it was like, boom, done. done. Everything worked out or not as the case may be. Yeah. Um, but that, that was my only, I was bummed about that because I kind of wanted to see the ending and unfold a little more. Well, you know, We'll see. I don't know spoilers. No, 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 no. It's, it's, yeah, it's worth reading though. I thought, oh, absolutely. I, I, was, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and then I read Proof by, which is by Adam Rogers. We talked about it a little bit a, a few minutes ago, but it's actually nonfiction. Yeah. About, I, good luck getting me to read nonfiction. I just do not have the time. It's about booze. Yeah. It turns the out. opposite of Jamie Heineman. Does he only read nonfiction? Only reads nonfiction. Ryan only reads nonfiction. There's too much in the I'm world. crazy that I'm can't, I only read sci-fi fantasy. I'm like, it's my job. I kind of fall asleep sometimes when I read nonfiction because mm. the problem with nonfiction if, is if I reach a point where it's about something that I already know about, I don't oh. feel like I can skip ahead, but I also get bored and fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, well, 
Yeah. Anyway, proof's really good. It was very interesting. It's about how they make booze and science. I do like that. Yeah. We all like, like booze. both those things. We all like science. Yeah. That's good. And I like Adam Rogers. Um, we talked to Adam at length and there's, there'll be a video up on the site in a few weeks with, uh, with that. Um, anything else? Any, any other, anything you're looking forward to? So much. I mean, I mean there's a new Scalzi book coming soon. Yeah. Uh, there's another Charles Strauss. I don't, are you, do you, do you, are you a Charles Strauss reader? Um, He's I've, a little more, I know you're more on the fantasy side. I've read uh, rule 34. Oh, we're 34. It starts oh, slow. Oh, we've yeah. talked about this before. Yeah. It starts slow, but it's, it ends strong. That is the only, um, Charles Strauss I've read. You'd probably like the, um, he has a fantasy series that's, um, it's called the family trade. Uh, that's okay. It's yeah. like, it's been going for a long time, but the thing that I love that he does is are the, are the laundry novels. Yeah. It's, it's hard because I, I start so many series for, for the shows oh, and then sure. I just never have time to go back to them because I have to read something else the next month. Oh, right. And so I have to try to cram in as much as I can. Uh, like I've had a lot of free reading time this month cause I finished my books early. So I, I've been going back to some series and continuing on with them, but it's kind of the downside. What's your approach? Like do you, when you have a, when you have, you know, reading work a to window, do, yeah. Yeah. Do you sit, do you sit down and, and you know, take four hours on Saturday afternoon it's a and read? Attack. Okay. Um, so I read every night before bed, um, as much as I can until I fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And then I listen to audiobooks. Okay. So I do a lot of whisper sync. So if I'm doing errands or like walking in the car, on the subway okay. or in the car, I can switch over to whisper sync and do it on Kindle. I mean, do it on, uh, audible. Um, so I have that two pronged attack. They're so integrating that in the Kindle stuff. app now. Yes, too. I know. What's they the integrated best? Goodreads into the Kindle. That was, Kindle that's great. Well. Audible subscription that. worth it. Yeah. Well, it depends. Audiblepodcast.com slash sword to get a free 30 day trial <laughs> and a audiobook of your choice. Absolutely free. Wow. That's audiblepodcast.com slash sword. When you subscribe, do you have to keep the book that yeah, you download? Of course. Okay. It's always yeah. you get the one token so, or whatever. Yeah. It's basically like one a month for nine bucks or something. And then 14, 14. Yeah. yeah. And then you can, you, but you also, they also discount others. The other thing that Amazon's are doing since they started doing the whisper sync for voice is mm-hmm. a lot of audible audiobooks are, really cheap if you bought the Kindle version. Yes. Yeah, so like, that's pretty cool. Like I read Dune a mm-hmm. few months ago, which I, had, I read probably when I was 13 years old. And it's like... A lot of them are free. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they just say, you will say, oh, it's in your library. Here you go. Or you can... Which, which like, way? The Kindle if you version. buy the if you audiobook the, first? No, oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of um, paperback books. Yeah. So if you own a paperback or hardcover version of a book... The Kindle's Some okay. of the Kindle is free. Or it's a buck. Yeah. It's yeah. super cheap. Um, but the, but even the audio version is cheap sometimes now. So you like, you can get a $4 audio book of, to go along with your, you definitely want to, I usually go the other way. I usually use my credit to buy a book and then I get the slightly cheaper version of the, of the Kindle Kindle. version. Yeah. Makes that, that makes sense. It's hard. So I'm not, I'm not super keen on audible audio books just in general, because I don't spend that much. Well, no, it's not that it's that I, I feel like I don't absorb as well. Okay. Um, and, and so I like car time for me is podcast time yeah, or music time, depending on whether I'm out of I've podcast or not. I almost totally stopped listening to podcasts because of the audiobook yeah, thing. It's so. a terrible format. And yeah. I mean, really nobody should podcast. It's, just, <laughs> I don't even know. Um, let's take another question and, and, uh, see where we're at. Uh, Hey guys, this is Eric, uh, from sweltering Arizona currently. I have been a dedicated listener all the way back to maximum PC and really enjoy listening to your podcast. Knowing that I would like to get into photography, my brother has indefinitely lent me his Canon T3 Rebel. I just wanted to ask Norm for any suggestions for online resources or blogs that will be helpful to me as I start out in the world of photography. Uh, Thanks, guys. Yes. Strobist. Strobist. Just go read Strobist. S-T-R-O-B-I-S-T mm-hmm. dot com. Let me see if it's dot com. It is. Strobist.com. Uh, 
And well, and you do a weekly, you do a regular column too on the mm-hmm. site. So check living with photography because there's a ton of good, like kind of specialized exploration there. Um, Quadcopter Fridays. Chris Kaminsky wants to know, is that coming back? Yes. Just trying to find the right time for it. And Jeremy's quadcopter is currently uh, being repaired. Did he? Oh, it's still not back. It's still not back. Oh, he's not allowed to check again. What do you mean? He's not allowed <laughs> to call him anymore? People stop, asking. stop asking. It will oh, be back eventually. Wow. We'll get Ouch. Poor Jeremy. This is why I think you should build your own quadcopters now. I'm completely around on this. You build your own, then, you, then it's on you to fix it. Yeah. You don't have tech support. Don't have to wait. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that'll do it for us this week, I think. Uh, Veronica Belmont, thank you for coming by and joining of us. Course. This is only a test. Thank you for having me. Um, uh, if people want to find out more about you, they can go to many places on the internet. Yes. <laughs> uh, primarily uh, about.me slash Veronica or on Twitter. I'm just at Veronica. Okay. And Sword and Laser is like Tuesdays or something? Yeah. Or every yeah. Um, We do a regular episode every other Tuesday, okay. uh, swordandlaser.com. And then we are doing a lot of Google Hangouts um, that are usually also happening at that same time slot. So you can see the author interviews live. Um, oh, cool. And we usually post the author interviews on the podcast on the off weeks um, that aren't a regular book club okay. episode. Cool. And Vaginal Fantasy is? Last cur- Tuesday of every month. Okay. Um, but except this month where it's going to be the first Tuesday of July. Okay. Because we needed more time because travel, people were traveling and doing stuff. So, and the book is longer than most of the other books we've read too. So giving it a little extra week. Cool. Yep. Um, Well, thank you for coming by. Uh, We'll be back next Thursday as always with another episode of this is only a test. And uh, what are we not going to be here next Tuesday? Next Thursday? No, we'll be here. Oh, I thought you were shaking your head. Oh no. Uh, Today's outro comes again from Steven Westfeld. If you want to submit an outro, then go to Google and type raw outro song file and it will take you to a page with the instructions for making an outro for us. I have no idea what this one says because I didn't listen to it before the show. So it could be really, really horrible. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Hi there. I didn't see you. Pass it. Franklin, it's three Star Trek chess set. Guess who has one? You bought one? Okay, I bought one. Well, that wasn't too bad.